everyone welcome to game face it's tuesday at 1 p.m on twitch and we hope that you are joining us for this live broadcast of the show i'm shane satterfield the host of the flagship show for sifted games at sifted.net and alongside me today i have matt kyle what's going on matt same as always <laughs> have you started to crack yet uh i crack periodically it's more you just bring it back around after a few minutes you know yeah, the cracks are definitely starting to show in America at this point. That said, I, I don't want to go to the beach right now. If no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's looking like everything's kind of starting to break down at this point. So it's uh, crazy times we're living through, but uh, thank God for video games. They are a great escape away from all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's nice to be frustrated by something else once in a while. <laughs> and I w actually, I wish I could tell a story right now about that very thing. I've been playing a game uh, over the last few days that I mm -hmm. can't speak about yet that has been really giving me fits. Uh, I think next, next week. Next you'll week hear about week. that definitely on uh, next week's show on Tuesday. Also with us, we have Mitch Sikorsky. What's going on, Mitch? How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I did forget. I have a clarification for you, Shane. I okay. actually do play fighting games. I love okay. Super Smash Bros. Oh, That's the okay. thing in college we used to uh, solve every dispute was Super Smash Bros. So I'm good at Melee all the way up to Ultimate. So. Okay. He does the bros thing. Yeah. I hate that. And Mitch is neck deep in building his PC as a part of our other show, Sifted HQ. Mm. How's that going, Mitch? Uh, it's going good. I mean, parts are coming. It's really nice to like see all the parts actually in my hands, like seeing how big things are. And um, but I'm really excited. I'm really hopeful everything gets in in time this week, so I can be able to post something for HQ into next Tuesday. Yep. Uh, so anyway, this is Game Face. This is episode two. 12. Uh, we got some big stories to talk about today, but we do not really have a lot of big games. So this episode might be a little bit shorter. We'll see how it works out. And as always, if that is the case, we'll definitely take some more questions during Q&A. Uh, we are 100% supported by Patreon. So if you're listening on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where our podcast feed seems to have just been leached out. <laughs> uh, game Face is on a bunch of services that we did not sign it up for. I don't know hmm. whether to be happy about that or not. But, uh, but anyway, however you're getting the show, if you could head to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a dollar or two every month, we'd really, really appreciate it. We do appreciate every single dollar that we get. So anyway, with that, let's get on with the show. We're going to kick things off with Ghost of Tsushima, um, a game that came and went like a ghost during the last three years uh, since it's been announced. Uh, we get a little, little scrap of something and then it would disappear for months and we get another little scrap. Uh, but now the game is nearing release. It launches July 17th. No, is that right? It sounds right. Yeah, around, it's in like mid-July. Um, and now they're starting to ramp things up. Uh, up until now, we had really only got a gameplay segment that showed off the combat and a bunch of trailers. Um, and a little bit of exploration in that gameplay as well. Uh, but we really didn't know how the game played, what the gameplay loop was like. Didn't really know much details about it at all. All that was fixed this week when Sucker Punch dropped an 18-minute uh, guided tour of Ghost of, and now I've learned how to say it, I believe, Ghost of 
Sushima, I believe is how they were saying it in the trailer. Correct. Uh, once they did say that, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly how to say it. I've probably been saying it's, it wrong all along. But no, nah, I mean, vowel pronunciation in Japanese varies tremendously, and there's even like weird little dialect things. And there's a thing where like if you say the U in things too pronouncedly, that's a more like feminine or cute way of saying things. So like you'll, you'll hear like male speakers a lot like jump over the U in in words. Yep. So like uh, that's why like, yakuza would be like a like more like as I understand it would be more of a cutesy way to say it. And that's why that's why like you're generally gonna hear it as Yakuza. Yeah. Like you, you barely even say the U. So I Tsushima is an actual place, so I assume there is a common <laughs> yeah, pronunciation think. for it. But yeah. like which syllable is stressed in Japanese can vary by person sometimes. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Like I feel like Tsushima is fine. Tsushima, like, I'll, I'll probably ver uh, adjust my uh, pronunciation to whatever the game uses yep. Yep. over That's time. That's probably how it'll all play out. Um, and, and one of the things about it is it has a Japanese voice track. Um, yeah, I, I figured they that was going to be there, using, yeah. Yeah, and they encourage I, using that, which is interesting. Yeah, and the, and the basically, the, the Kurosawa mode with like black and white and everything. Yes, yeah, the Kung cool. Fu movie mode is what I call it. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty details, and there are a lot, and we're going to discuss this game at length here because this is really the first time we got to see what it is. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just kind of talk about our overarching opinion of the game after seeing this 18-minute uh, presentation. Matt, how do you feel about it? More excited, less excited? Uh, probably a little more. Like I like the the wind thing. Yeah, it's very cool. Like I mean, we were all wondering how they're going to do this without waypoints. And right. It feels like they came up with a pretty elegant solution. Yeah. For um, those of you that haven't seen it, you use the wind and the mist as your waypoint indicator. Basically, mm -hmm. whatever direction the mist is is blowing, that's the direction that you need to go. The divine wind. Yeah. And um, the. Uh, like I'm into I'm into that, and the samurai combat looks. I mean, the the sneaking combat looks pretty much Assassin's Creedy. Yeah. Uh, but the samurai combat, I think there's a lot more to that than they were letting on in that because it seems very timing based and very oh, yeah. um, reactive. Uh, and I like the I like everything I saw about the sword combat in that, up to and including calling people out for like for like a duel kind of thing. Uh -huh. Um, and how fast it was, and how instant the kills were, and how two like, swipes, yeah. two swipes when you played like as you're not uh, hitting people with a foam sword, like it's it's a deadly yeah. weapon, and it looks it, and they have that kind of the over dramatic, like you know old Chambara movie uh, uh, deaths where they just sort of stand there and, and spray blood as they yeah. fall over, and so that, <laughs> that's all really cool. Like I, I, yep. I like all that stuff. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's kind of what I thought it would be. It's not a revolution in anything, but I like a lot of what I'm seeing. Uh, I was talking to someone who didn't dig it. Uh, as they're like, oh, it looks like it could have been made in 2013, um, mechanics-wise. And I don't agree with that. I think I, I don't think you get this game without Assassin's Creed Origins and Witcher Three in place already. Yeah. Um, but my reaction was sort of like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's an open-world game with a lot of like variants on things we've seen before. But like, what other open-world samurai game am I supposed to play? Because for some reason, you'd think we'd be up to our eyeballs in samurai open-world games, but they don't happen. Like Ubisoft refuses to make it, and like the Japanese companies, you'd think would be into that shit, but they didn't. Like it's well, weird I think that if like you focus tested it. Probably the vast majority of people that you would talk to would be like, "That's pretty low on my totem pole for mm. content for a game." Just my Florida, guess, but like I think uh, it makes sense in terms of like a like a sword fighting yeah, thing. Sure. Like it, it's it's just it's it feels like there's a lot of games like that sometimes, but like 
there aren't any. Like, like it's a, it's a yeah. it's a very fresh setting for an open world game. So. I mean, Sekiro comes to mind. Yeah, but obviously. Sekiro's not open world. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, for sure it isn't. But as far as kind of how the combat works, yeah. the vibe of the game, pretty. Yeah, simple. I mean, I, I think there's definitely some Sekiro light in the <laughs> combat here. But also, like one of the things that I think is the most appealing about Ghost to me is there's no supernatural stuff in it. Like yeah. there's, no, it's, there's no monsters and ogres yeah. and weird things like that. It's serious. Yeah. It's just it's an historical game, and yeah. uh, like I don't have a problem with like mystical supernatural stuff and this kind of thing. Like Sekiro did it really well, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I find the historical adherence to be refreshing, especially in an era where like Assassin's Creed has kind of rejected the historical element you know you're, you're fighting centaurs and yep. and cyclopses and stuff which <laughs> yeah. is cool like i'm super it's into it into mythology basically yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know the animus lets you do that and not violate any reality basically <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a you know it's it's a freeing tool for it. but I, I if you if they really are going to stick to like you know just a historical setting like i'm into that like people don't do that much in, in these things yep mitch how about you man how do you feel after you've seen this big chunk of uh gameplay I mean, I'm sold more than ever before. This game looks amazing. The stream did not do it justice. You like, if you watch the stream, go and actually watch the YouTube video because the the quality is so much better visually. Um, the game's stunning. Uh, I listened to an interview with the creators. I forgot their names at Sucker Punch at the moment, um, but they mentioned the combat is all about. Um, short moves and it's not a long it's not going to be a long process it's all about you only have two shots and that's what you're going to get and you can see that in the video it's a samurai two swipes and each enemy is dead and and that's intentional i think that's fresh in combat because like you guys said something like assassin's creed you're you're taking down someone's health for a good five six minutes um I like that. I like those elements. The wind is a cool element because it's a natural thing that they already focused on, but just emphasize it in a new way, and it makes it a little more fresh. Uh, The black and white, I'm definitely doing a second playthrough just in black and white with Japanese subtitles. I mean, Japanese and subtitles because it just... I mean, the the care that this game... You can really tell that the developers put a lot of care into this game with all the minute, finite details from from the colors that you can do, um, from nature. I mean, they're just adding so many elements to this game that I'm just excited to play it. Yeah, I will say this. It might be the prettiest game I've ever seen. No hyperbole. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, it might be the prettiest video game ever made. Uh, I love how in that presentation, they know. (laughs) So (laughs) they stop, and they'll just let the horse stand there and just let the scene happen. They do it like four or five times, and it's just, it's gobsmacking. Um, To Mitch's point about the details, oh my gosh. Like, you can see why this game has taken so long to create. Um, I'm also very impressed by the physics on his, like, little cape, his cloak. Yeah, I thought that in some of the scenes, it looked a little overdone, but wind is a big part of the game, and so I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of yeah, you want angle. it to be there and visible like that, yep. and like also like a lot of stuff in this is overdone. Um, yeah, like the heightened element of the combat and the and the deaths is going to be a thing. So I, I, I dig it, and I'm sure like you'll be able to like they showed off some of the customization of his outfit, and like I'm sure you can you can it's like if you don't like that kind of cape, you can have a, a different thing to flaps in a wind. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not on the level of what we saw in the Unreal demo, yeah, but like, well. <laughs> we're not there yet, yeah, so it doesn't exactly. matter. 
Yeah, it looks good. Um, I just thought it looked a little off kilter in a couple of the scenes that they showed where he was like inside and it was it was still like going kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Um, there, the one thing I would say that I was a little surprised at that I wasn't pleasantly surprised by is the, the game is a bit derivative. Um, and I don't know what my expectations were, but the game's been in development for a long time. It's had the benefit of seeing all these Assassin's Creed games and all these other open world action adventures or action RPGs. And it doesn't look like it learned a whole lot from those as far as like evolving the genre. Um, Also going back to what I was saying earlier about, I wonder how big the interest in something like this is going to be. Sekiro sold pretty well though. So, I mean, at the very least it's going to do okay. I just don't know. I think think Sony stuff is going to sell like crazy no matter what. Yeah. I don't see this hitting like over 10 million though. I think it will. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If Days Gone can make half that, this can do 10. <laughs> I think it'll be a challenge for him to get there, I guess I would put it that way. Not That's because, not a guarantee. It's not going to be like a God of War runaway thing. But yeah. like, I can, I can, if, it, if, it's, if it's good, if it's like something that like you'd put in the hands of, if it's like, like God of War or Spider Man, something, or Horizon, like something you'd put in the hands of anybody willing to hold a controller, then yeah, I, I think it'll sell on that level. Yep. Over time. Maybe not, maybe not instantly, but like by the time the dust settles on holiday this year, like I could see it being in the 10 million range. You mean by the end of the year, ten million? Like once, like lifetime stuff is is calculated. I yeah. think lifetime it'll hit ten. I, mm-hmm. I think in his first year, I think it probably gets close. Um, we'll see. Uh, but regardless of that, I'm a, a thousand percent in. You know, personally, I'm really excited for this game. I don't really give a crap about its commercial appeal. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to play great video games, and that game looks freaking awesome. Um, the combat, I think, is probably going to have to grow on me. As you know, I'm not one of those guys who likes. Um, life or death combat where you get struck a couple times and you die. Uh, I hope it's not as punishing as games like the Soul series. I don't think it will be. Because I can't I- imagine they do that for a game that they want to sell like this. They yeah. expect this to sell. Also, like there doesn't seem to be, from what I could see, there doesn't seem to be a stamina meter. And yep, that's, that's true. That's, that's your real. You're right. Yeah, that's it. That's my Achilles so. heel usually for sure. Uh, let's start going through some of these details, though, because uh, there was a lot that was shown off. And as I watched it, I took notes. So uh, I have a bunch of stuff that I wanted to get to. Uh, one of the coolest things I thought about the game and one thing that does set it apart a little bit is how it uses nature. So um, I don't know if you noticed, but when you ride the horse in this game, it's at an offset camera angle. The horse mm-hmm is always to the side of the screen. So you can see, I don't know how that's going to work if you have to do combat on horseback and stuff like that. But for cinematic reasons, it's amazing. And there's one shot where he's riding along a fence line and this bird starts flying along beside him. And, you, and then the birds start gathering and, they, and it's this like little mini flock of birds like flying along beside him. He gets up to the tree line and there's a fox. And then the fox ends up like taking him to this shrine for this collectible. So I like how they're integrating the creatures of the island into the gameplay and also in again into the waypoint system a little bit kind mm-hmm. of like how the the wind is working so like it's nice i like the, also like the, when he when he finds the fox den like my far cry playing ass was like oh god how many fox pelts am i gonna need to crap <laughs> but it says like oh the fox will lead you to the shrine i'm like okay i like that but you know like arbitrary animal murder doesn't seem to be like yeah you're a an friend here so, instead yeah. of an adversary and i like and the that birds lead sure. you to things and yeah like, it's cool yeah i like, really it's a like cool that organic way to do it like the, the the minimal hud is is working for me uh i don't fully understand why his life bar is made of tennis balls 
But, um, <laughs> whatever. Like, yeah. That's something that could be easily fixed if people decide that they don't like it. That's yeah, I, not just a, a, just a slightly different color on the, on the, on the dots is all I, it just, it's that tennis ball, green, yellow, neon color that's on it right now. And I, I don't know if it represents something, but all I can see when I see that is he has like 12 tennis balls left. Yep. Uh, and then there are the RPG elements and they've been kind of rebranded a little bit for this game. It's like, um, so the shrine that the Fox takes you to gives you a minor charm slot. And that is one of the ways that you can upgrade your character. Um, but there's also like, what if, there was that whole other system with uh, crafting, like it, while you're riding a horse, you can just snag stuff that you need mm -hmm. for crafting. So there's a crafting system. It seems to be checking most of the boxes. Yeah, I think it's at least going to be as robust as like a Far Cry. Yeah. In terms of those elements. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan of, of studios just giving their own kind of nomenclature to stuff that's like things in other games. It almost kind of needlessly complicates things a little bit, but whatever. As long as the systems are there, I'll figure it out and it'll be fine. Um, and then the customization in this game is huge. Like that, that was kind of the biggest surprise to me of stuff that was there that I didn't think was going to be there was how the customization works. And the customization actually kind of ties into the leveling and improving your character because um, the armor that and the stuff and the customization, it gives you mechanical advantages that will suit how you want to play. So again, it's kind of like Souls, although I'm guessing it doesn't go anywhere near as deep. As far as being able to build a character that you will be happy playing with and not kind of forcing weapon X, Y, and Z on to each player. Um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, the. I assume you'll be able to swap armor sets um, just because there's going to, obviously you're going to have a, you're going to have a ghost outfit. You're going to have a samurai outfit. You're going to, you know, be able to change clothes up for whatever the situation demands. And I don't know if that's going to actually be a thing because I, I find in, in games that let you do stuff like that, I tend to just sort of find an outfit or armor set that like does what I want it to do and then I'll just like deal with it if I am in a situation that is not ideal for that set of clothing. Like I'll just fight through it. Like I'll just get through it. Like if I, yeah, I don't know which one I'll do. I feel like I will probably be more samurai in this than ghost um, just because the samurai aspect looks more... Un more uh, unique than the ghost. Like I've done the yeah, ghost. We didn't thing, even actually mention so. that, which is a big part of the game. Is that you? You're essentially kind of playing two characters. You're playing the samurai and the ghost. The samurai is the honorable character, and as he said earlier, just a couple swipes of his sword kills at least the rank and file enemies. Uh, the ghost, you have a lot more abilities with the ghost. Um, after that presentation, I was like, it's hard for me to see why I would want to play the samurai because. The ghost is kind of, first of all, isn't it like the evolved form? Like you don't have the ghost form at first and then you have to like use those um, those abilities that you collect, those charms to get to the point where you can then become the ghost. I thought that's what I heard. No, no I, think, charms, I think it's just, yeah, sorry. the charms are just enhancements for abilities. Like I think you can do either thing whenever you want. There is no switching. Oh, it's, um, I think you have to develop new techniques before you can become the ghost. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a point at which you are introduced into sneaking around and killing people dishonorably because that is not a samurai behavior. Right. But uh, I don't think there's like a ghost mode and a samurai mode. I think you're just like using particular abilities or sneaking. You, I'm sure you click a button, click the stick, and you're in, you crouch down or something. Like, so I don't think it's just something I, I don't think like it's, that. Yeah, I don't think it's that divided. I, I think you can switch, you, you know, and he was, you know, he stealth killed a guy and then threw the thing, but I'm sure if you don't, 
throw a, a, a kunai at a guy in time and he comes at you with a sword, you fight him like you fight in a samurai match. Yeah. So how do the character models work? Do you think you just look like the samurai, but you're doing the stuff that the ghost does? Huh? So uh, when they showed I mean. the samurai demo, he looked like a samurai. He had traditional samurai yeah. garb. When they showed ghost, he looked like a ninja. Yeah. Um, so you're saying if you decide the armor that you want to wear looks like a samurai, you're still going to be able to do all the stuff that ghost does and why you look like the samurai. I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, except I'm sure, I bet there's probably like a, a noise element to it. You know, right. like if, you, yeah. if you drop down onto the deck in like full samurai armor, I imagine they would hear you. In a way <laughs> I they hope wouldn't. It, that would be cool if it has that much. In a way, in a way they, they wouldn't hear you if you were wearing like the ninja footy socks kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so why wouldn't you just wear the ninja footy socks all the time? Because <laughs> I want to walk into that camp and just take everybody down <laughs> like that. And know? be big and bold about it, you mean. Yeah. I get it. Um, I mean, this, the ghost ver uh, approach seems to probably be more efficient um, just in terms of like minimal impact on you versus like killing everybody really fast without, you know, risking yourself. But like the samurai thing, the samurai demo part was really cool. It was, it was badass. So that's that's more interesting to me right now. But we'll, well see what what I think is more fun when I actually play it. Like I don't you know, I don't know. What, what, you know, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy, as they say. All they really showed with the samurai was sword play. But with mm -hmm. the ghosts, they showed using fear as a weapon, like intimidating the enemy, um, using stealth with the dagger, uh, using firecrackers for distraction. Uh, you can chain together executions. You can use a smoke bomb and assassinate. Um, it just, and then I said that like eventually, uh, based upon how you play, the Mongols eventually learn to fear the ghost. Mm -hmm. um, to me, playing as the ghost, way more interesting than playing as the samurai. Play. I just don't because the samurai gameplay is new and this ghost gameplay is like every other stealth game I've ever played. That's true. I mean, I'm sure I'll switch between them as, as is appropriate, but like the, you know, the, the idea of like walking into the camp and just being this like stone Badass. wall that they can't. They can't. They just crash against is is cool, especially if yeah. the combat looks as cool as it does and is fun. Like we'll see, you know. But but yeah. I like the idea of a lethal sword. I like the idea of of kind of taking this sort of Sekiro counter idea and turning it into like man walks into enemy camp and just says, "Come at me," because like yeah. that's I like that too. Yeah, I that's can the get stand up fight, you know, and it, I, I dig it. Um, the ghost stuff looks fun too. It's just it just looks more like what I've done before. But we'll see what I end up like. You know, I have a feeling that there are going to be camps that you're just, I mean, you can try the samurai approach if you want, but I feel like there's going to be guys that just can yeah. hand you your ass if you don't know what you're doing. And that's the um, other thing. Like Assassin's Creed, there is a lot of sort of base invading where you go mm -hmm. in, you take a stronghold, and then, you know, you own that yeah, portion. They're not in reinventing the wheel on sort of the, the open world ideas here. Yeah, the design is very, very familiar. But my, um, like I always say, like execution is way more important to me than innovation, and Sucker Punch executes every single time. Yep. So yep. Uh, the... the, the um, what you call it? the the customization is interesting to me too because I don't think they've ever really done that before in a game. Well, there's also that whole flower system where you can color your armor using flowers. Yeah, dyes. Like, yeah. yeah, that's it's cool. Cra it's crazy. Yeah, there's some cool stuff in the game. That's, for sure. Yeah, that's just not been Sucker Punch's mo. Like you know, yeah, like the the infamous games didn't have a lot of outfit customization. You know, like your character looked like how he looked for the most part. Um, so this is kind of a new step for them, and I'm interested to see how that how that turns out.
Yep, um, and then the final stuff was the photo mode looks insane. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the craziest photo mode ever. Now, that is a Sucker Punch trademark at this point. Like, the infamous yeah. games had really good photo modes. Yeah, you can select, like, the music that plays. Uh, you can, like, adjust the particles in the shots. Mm-hmm. So you can create more leaves or more dust or more wind if you want. Uh, there was, was also, cool. a, the, speaking of the music, there was a there was a Shadow of the Colossus flavor to some of it, which I yep. really liked. Like I agree. There's I nothing like, I'm not going to claim this is going to be like the winner for most innovative at the end of the year, but like there is nothing in here that I don't like the look of. Like, yeah. it, it's solid. Um, it's still it's still up there with Cyberpunk as my, you know, tied for my most wanted game of the year. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't put it that high for me, but to me right now, the way it's shaping up, it's certainly looking like a must buy for, for core gamers, for sure. Uh, Mitch, what, what closing thoughts do you have on what we saw of Ghost of Tsushima? Um. I like, I mean, I like it all. <laughs> Everything you guys say, I, I 100% agree with. Um, I think enemy camps may not, they may have showed it this time around, but I'm not sure or sold that that's going to be everything they're going to offer. Um, their past games have shown a lot of variety in extra side missions that you do. So I feel as if that's going to happen with this game and they just wanted to show something that everyone can relate to, which is taking an um, enemy base. Uh, the only other thing I can say that we missed on details, the samurai, you can shoot a bow and arrow. So that was oh, one right. thing they did show. He does have a bow. And yeah. then the, um, oh my lord. The bow thought. and arrow, getting hit with the arrow looks like it hurts. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it's like one shot kills. Yeah. It looks yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the arrows are like four feet long. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like an <laughs> inch thick. Yeah, they make huge. their impact. Uh, and then the other thing was that the samurai has four different stances. So it's similar okay. to a Neo type style. Um, you saw it on the right hand side of the screen when um, he was doing combat that he was switching from a tall stance to a low stance. They said that will affect certain enemies differently. And I, I'm kind of interested in seeing how that works compared to usually the higher stance is more powerful or the lower stance is more speedy. And it really doesn't change how you would play against an enemy with stances. I never really had to. But if it forces me to, I'd be interested to see how that works within the combat. Yeah, I think there's a lot to the combat they didn't show here. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, would you can just tell by watching like 10 seconds of it. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely expect a deeper dive into the combat between now and launch. I think we're going to get a lot more deep dives on this game um, because mm-hmm. they have been kind of stealth, you know, as far as marketing it and promoting it. And, you know, they're coming yeah. down the home stretch. They're two months away. They so two months and they, and they have to keep uh, they have to keep visibility above Last of Us 2 to some degree because that's an 800 pound gorilla in the Sony lineup. So you got to, you got to keep people interested in this other thing that's coming a month later. And I'm sure given the situation we're all in, we're <laughs> I not, not going to be passing on anything <laughs> like that. Think, if we're, if, you know, yeah, but, I think they'll um, do fine. Oh yeah. yeah but, I, I think they'll be working very hard to kind of keep visibility on this game moving forward because uh, they spent a lot of money on it. It looks great. And you want people to also pick that up in addition to the last of us two, because they'll probably be done with last of us two by the time this comes out. Yeah. Yep. The last thing I was going to say was, um, the last time I remember a fear mechanic in a game was when I played Batman Begins for, the, I think it was PlayStation 2. Um, and that was an interesting mechanic in that game. And having that element here, I'm really curious to see where it goes. I know you, they kind of showed off the guy falling in fear, which kind of sold your masculinity in that moment of being a badass. But I'm really curious of what elements you can do, whether that you can like make something move um, in the distance, and it freaks them out, and all of a sudden they scatter, or the just. Wait, I don't ways. think he. I don't think there are any supernatural powers, are there? 
in a sense of maybe he like throws something it explodes and some things fall off from a building a practical yeah things. it just makes them um, nervous like that's yeah. also been in the arkham games to yeah. some degree uh definitely in the um shadow of mordor uh yep. and shadow of war like there was like you could become strong enough that you would doing like the the execution kills would scare the orcs around you and they'd run um so yeah it, but yeah you can do cool stuff with it for sure yeah, it's, it depends how deep they dive in. Like the probably like Batman Begins is probably the most like detailed like use of it. Like it was it was the whole point of the ambush system was like if you did this Splinter Cell style ambushes in Batman Begins correctly, everyone would be so afraid of you. You would would basically would have no resistance, uh, and you just take everybody out before they could move, um, which is fun when it worked, but it didn't work all the time. Um, it is an interesting idea. Like that's also an appeal I think of the uh, of the samurai system as well is like. You know, the, people be afraid of the ghost because you have a reputation. I'm sure because I think you saw that a little bit in the ghost section of yep. the demo, where like, you like could. it's him. Like, you know, they they knew because obviously you you. I'm sure there'll be some kind of rep meter or some kind of as the story progresses, like you become better known. And a lot of games models. do that, but usually it's when you go back to town with like the the all the winnings from your from your mm. adventures, and they're like, "You're great, Wait, welcome back. You did awesome." The old fable style. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where they're all congratulating you when you come back. So you, it's very, it's pretty rare for it to be the opposite, where people cower from you in fear. So I think it could be really cool. Um, I think the whole game sounds really cool. Uh, still, though, my big concern is the subject matter. Will it have a wide appeal? The core, I think, are going to gobble it up, though. I think it's going to be a huge success. I think uh, like a, a solid, well-executed open-world game doesn't matter. Yeah, like in some ways it can transcend. It's for just sure. it's like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is going to be probably the biggest single seller of the year, um, outside of maybe Call of Duty. Yeah, it's Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk stuff doesn't sell. Like that's like yeah. you know, basically like common, common like you know it's common sense at this point. Um, but Cyberpunk is also the most talked about video game on the internet. Uh, whenever it has a new demo or a new thing, like just putting that car up this week like Twitter exploded on it, you know? Yeah. And for whatever reason, this thing is hitting the zeitgeist and it's going to be a big deal. So I think just, you know, Tsushima, it, Tsushima it does look shot. exciting though. I'll say that. But whereas Ghost of Tsushima, I think it, it is in danger of being labeled as boring if the plot isn't really good. Um, I think, they can probably deliver on that. I'm just, you know, I'm just. I think saying. it depends with it, what the advertising campaign looks like. Um, if you make that look interesting, if you really lean on kind of the sword fighting and the and yeah, the, and the, the action, the kills, like because like that stuff like triggers a certain thing. I think in a lot of people, um, and it's not a thing you see in games that often. Like that kind of like lethal sword combat is uh, sadly rare. Like once a year, so, gen- roughly. <laughs> it seems that. like we get one. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think it has a good shot. Um, yep. and I think a, it's going to be a success. Weirder right? games have been big hits. <laughs> That's true. Katamari Damacy. <laughs> if yep. it can sell like 10 million, this game absolutely can. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about a story that we had wrong. <laughs> that we talked about on Game Face in the past. We've been talking about Mafia 4. There were all these hints coming from the studio. There were some leaks saying that Mafia 4 was coming. Uh, as it turns out, it was literally everything but mafia four was coming Hmm. so the first three games they're calling it a trilogy i don't think anyone called it that until now uh the first three games i think we just called it the three mafia games exactly basically completely unrelated to each other they are yeah and so the first three mafia games are being 
I guess the blanket term I could use is re-released because each one is being handled a little differently. So the first mafia is getting completely remade from the ground up and it needs it. The first, the first mafia I think is kind of hard to play now. It, there wasn't a lot mm -hmm. of action. The open world part of the game was kind of like a, an illusion. It, it was a, it was a backdrop. It was yeah. they didn't use the, the open. They built this beautiful recreation of New York from like early 1900s, and they didn't use it for anything except driving. Like yeah. all you did was drive from mission to mission. There was no open world stuff. There were no collectibles. There was no reason to explore the world. Uh, at the time, it was kind of cutting edge. Like it was. Yeah, it, I like, remember. The, the, I was like, the, "Ooh, I can leave the house and yeah. get in the car and drive away." Well, also, just the character <laughs> animation was was yeah. high level for the time. I remember being yeah. very impressed by the cigarettes. In it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like the cigarette smoke was like really well modeled. I um, still remember the first demo I ever got of the first Mafia, which blows my mind. I can totally remember mm -hmm. it broke. <laughs> I remember they showed it to us and the demo broke like halfway into it. And they had to reboot it and start it again. And it was just this really like boring conversation inside a house. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I was, that. I remember that. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a hit or not. Uh, and then we saw more of the game, and obviously it was much more than that. Mm -hmm. But not a lot more, honestly. Well, the main thing I remember about Mafia was playing the review build and not being able to pass the race. Oh, really. yeah. There's, there's, there's a right. car race. I remember like a third that. Of the all way the, the journalists game. were all and stuck. everyone, like <laughs> everyone reviewing it was stuck on it. Like no one yeah. could get past it. And finally they had to send out like a, it was a code or a patch or something that basically like let you skip it. Yeah. Or, and or like that. <laughs> That's I think, right. they, I think they actually sent saves. I think they sent a yeah. save file right after it. Yeah. So you could just keep going. And then like they later they patched it to be easier. Well, then there was also um, a game. It was impossible. And you had to yeah. play it on a racing game on a keyboard. Fuck yeah, yeah. you. Like, Driver like was 3 bad. was another one. I don't know if you remember that game or not. But they had to, like, nobody, could, that game. nobody could get through the game. And they had to send out codes to basically, like, turn off the damage or something yeah. on the cars. I remember, I think I had an argument with our reviewer on that one. Because he wanted to give it, like, a 4 out of 5. And I'm like, this game blows. <laughs> Dude, like, what you, I've been I had to play it for, like, three days to get footage. And I hate every minute of my life this yeah. week. Like, what the? And I, I think we compromised on, like, a 3. Yep. But like that's how it went. <laughs> what a weird ass game! And then that game's like valuable now. Oh really? Yeah, it's, it's Driver like, with like the three as the E. Yeah, with the E. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get a copy of that for something for a show I did a few years ago. Oh. I had to get and a it, copy. It was of expensive. That. No, it was like ten bucks. It was not worth ah, anything. Okay. But like I just didn't have it because I hate that series, and like I had to go find one, and I was in, and played it and got some. I can't remember what it was. It was for that show I did for with, for Facebook. Um, with Trish. That countdown show that you did? Yeah, with Trish Hirschberger. Um, but I can't remember what we were doing, which is doubly weird because I wrote that whole thing. I, I, I basically, <laughs> I decided all the content in that show and I needed driver for something. I don't remember what it was. Oh. So it was your own fault that you had to play. Oh, it. yeah. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I screwed myself you. on that show multiple times. We're like, oh, I want to put this game in. You don't oh, have a way to that capture way. that game, moron. That's why I ended up having coming up, figuring out a cap good capture solution for the N64 because the sucker punch con connection i wanted to put rocket robot on wheels in it right and i needed to be able to capture from an n64 without it looking like a bunch of blobs yeah so i had to figure that out so anyway um the first game needs completely remade oh, is what absolutely. we're getting at it, it would not fly but in but at the same time 
I can't get a Panzer Dragoon Saga remake, I but know. you'll remake Mafia fucking three from the ground up. Who wanted well, that? Mafia one, Mafia, Mafia one, from, one the ground. from the ground. Like who wanted that? And that's what? coming August twenty eighth. Yeah. So that's a ways down the road. Now that's, what, the that's next alongside two. the physical release of the trilogy. I think like that's that's what it comes out in stores. Basically. Okay. Okay. And then today, both Mafia two remastered, mm. and then. Mafia 3 Augmented, I guess definitive, is the best way. Definitive edition. The it's definitive edition. So I, I, when I, today, they're available today, now. Today, right now. I woke <laughs> up and I went to like look up, up my Xbox and like the updates came up and one of the updates was a seven and a half gig update for Mafia 3. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, Because <laughs> I hadn't heard about this. I hadn't looked yeah. at the internet yet. And I'm just like, yeah. what? Like what could possibly well, be seven gig? And so it's basically like it, it's it's 4K now with some HDR and there's apparently some bugs fixed in there. I actually had played Mafia 3 for like 40 hours this year because I I loaded it up at the early early days of the of the pandemic um, just to have like a, a brainless thing I could play with the sound off while I listened to podcasts and watch like science videos on YouTube. And yep. it's great for that because it's yeah. just you're doing the same four <laughs> things over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so I actually am well enough versed in what mafia three looks like on the xbox one x i haven't it was still downloading when we had to do this to start the show but i will go back and look at that and i'll, I'll be definitely know if it looks any better because i well, they added stared like at that you said lot. like seven gigabytes of data so i'm guessing yeah. it's probably just high-res textures, textures higher res textures i think, textures. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's a the patch note said it's basically 4k hdr yep. update, which is there good because go. it needed some of that um it's not a pretty game uh, even for the on time. its own, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Hot. and it's not that old either. No, I mean, which and like I, I remember playing it on on my PC when it came out. I, I had the PC version, and I remember it just would not run well. Like yeah. it would it would tank into the twenty frames a second thing every once in a while. And I'm like, there is no reason this game should be taxing this system so much, but it just didn't run run right. But I do like Hangar 13, and I, I'm glad they're still doing something. Like, I hope they got other things up their sleeves. Like, that's where I think where Hayden Blackman went. He used to write a lot of their good Star Wars games. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I was kind of hoping for something new from them, but I guess this is what they're doing. It's very weird to me that, like, this would be, like, that 2K would, like, double down on the Mafia series. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know and what Mafia the- 2, for the record, it's kind of what Mafia 1 should have been. It's not set yeah. in the same exact era, but... It's basically, like we've said before, that sophomore game that kind of gets everything right and gets all the features in that they had been shooting for the first time. Um, it's Remembers not, they have a map. Yeah. Like an open world yeah. to play in a little bit. Like there's a yep. little more of that to it. Yeah, it's not an amazing game, but no. it's not bad either. Um, it's also it's, kind of like, it was, the Mafia is like, as, as they came out, like at least, yeah, Mafia 3 I think counts on this too. Like they're set in, in time periods that you don't see that much. That's true. And like, or just settings like this Louisiana and Mafia 3. Mafia right? 3 is like basically New Orleans in, yeah. at the end of the Vietnam War. Um, and uh, tackles some really inter- yeah, interesting sociological concepts and some racism, like some really systematic racism stuff and, and kind of like the, the nature of coming back from the war. And they get into it and it's good. And also, like, although sometimes I play that game and I'm just like, this whole thing is just an excuse for this licensed soundtrack, isn't it? Because that <laughs> soundtrack is amazing. Um, but like Mafia 1 and 2, like set way back, kind of the, you know, the, the Godfather era, more or less. Yeah. And I found the settings very refreshing. Um, yes, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. You know, even if the game wasn't amazing, it was at least showing me an era that I don't get to play around in very often. And that counts for something, Ghost of Tsushima. 
So, <laughs> yeah, Mafia Three. I think what they're doing is they're like, look, we we probably want to move on from this game, but since we just finished it, like, let's just future proof it now. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess let's get it out there. We won't ever have to go back and touch this game again. We can move on with Mafia Four or whatever else we're doing next. And I will say that Mafia Three, like, you get your money's worth, especially if you buy it now game. for like five bucks or whatever. You know, yeah. they go it goes on deep sale pretty often. Yep. I'd never gotten super far in it, but like I finally got to the point where like you're you're taking over territory and then assigning it to all your your underbosses, and like that took me like the the real game starts like 15 hours in, like it, like the the early like the what would you would probably consider the gameplay prologue as they sort of introduce you to all the different gameplay concepts. That goes for like 10 hours. Like it doesn't <laughs> stop. Like it wow. just, it's it's a it's a slow burn, and then like eventually you're like rebuild like i was like it's weird that like you know the the restaurant you start in gets blown up and like you never really rebuild. you do but it happens like 25 hours later if you're doing all this like i guess you could beeline through the whole thing and just like kind of half-ass all the side stuff but i don't do that so uh yeah it's a long-ass game you get it's a uh, assassin's creed odyssey sort of like oh this is this is still going like okay cool yep. mitch have but, you ever played any of the mafia games no, never really liked the. I, I'm not a really big fan of mafia, like the, stuff. That, that that stuff. Um, usually, it relies on a great story, and if it's not a great story, I'm not going to be interested in playing it. And I've always heard. Have you ever not, watched uh, The Godfather? You ever watched any of the classic mob movies? No, I wow. God, Godfather is on my list to eventually. That's get definitely. To, if you're know, serious about cinema, you, I, I'm surprised you haven't watched The Godfather. I mean, there's tons of older movies that I have not been able to get the time to watch. To I like, I literally just watched The Shining like wow. two months ago. And wow! I wish really, I could be you, man. I wish I could watch all these movies again for the first time. You should really so, move The Godfather one and two up to the top of that list. Yeah, for they're sure. really, really good. Yeah, yeah I just three have to, is like, awful. As bad as the first. Yeah, you two don't need good. to see three. Don't don't worry about three. <laughs> I just know yeah. there's so many. So for me, I'd have to like segment a big chunk of my time because i didn't want I, I would want to watch them back to back because i know they're parts of i, I know yeah. about them but i just never been able to see them and the games never really reviewed well so it never gave me influence to say hey you should buy this so i've never bought them hmm. i mean i would Birds, say that mafia, <laughs> mafia 3 is not a traditional mafia setting um and uh i would say mafia 3 if you next time it goes on sale for like 5.99 or something like pick it up and give it a shot yeah, Emperor Dread just made a has a pretty good comment in the chat. He says, uh, "I absolutely hate mobs and mafia in stories. Everyone is just awful, and I want them all to die." That's I mean, a good point. They're not good people, <laughs> like which is sort of like the the point of Goodfellas. Um, yeah. I think Goodfellas is a good uh, kind of counterpoint to the Godfather because the Godfather movies do romanticize the mob yeah. uh, in a way that I I understand why some people would find uncomfortable. Um, and certainly even a lot of mafia people would agree is inaccurate. Um, like Goodfellas is, is probably closer to the truth and none of those people are anyone you want to hang around with. Um, even Joe Pesci. I did see the kitchen and that one is a mafia type film and it was pretty good. You've seen the kitchen, but you haven't seen the Godfather. That is, that's pretty hmm. random. Well, I like um, kitchen's kind of a deep cut, man. Like it, it is. Yeah, I forgot her. I forgot her name now. Uh, I'm just a big fan of the the main actress in it. There was a couple actually really good actresses that I really liked hmm. their work. So I really wanted to watch it for that reason. Yeah, I mean, mob 
content in games or film or TV, you are pretty much just looking for different degrees of awful with the characters. You're looking for that one character that shows like a modicum of empathy towards other human beings, and that's the hero of yeah. those movies. Or not. I mean, you don't need... Yeah. I, I, I will forever battle the idea that a protagonist has to be likable because yeah. some stories you can't tell with likable people. And whether you think that's valuable or useful to you or not is going to be vary from person to person. But that's an interesting not, statement, actually. <laughs> it's it's extraordinarily uncontroversial in the history of literature. Um, you know, certainly many of the great novels feature very unlikable and horrible people. Uh, yeah. The vast majority of Shakespeare's tragedies are about people you would certainly not want to have in your living room. Yeah. Um, it, I think in modern times, people would just call them the antagonist, even if they get the well, most no, screen time. Well, no, you're always the protagonist. That is, antagonist is is specific. Like, like Thanos is the protagonist of Infinity War. He is the antagonist of Endgame. Yeah, but I think um, most people don't look at it that way, though. They well, just the look at mean, the bad person as the antagonist. Well, the, but the the words mean what they mean. I know. Um, I agree so. with you. I'm just saying. I just think people just generally don't have it right. Yeah, it's just that's the story structure is what you know. The antagonist of uh, something has to be kind of the the one preventing the forward motion of the person that the person or thing that the the story is focusing on, and sometimes that's Thanos, and sometimes yep. it's Iron Man. Yep. Um, some people would consider Iron Man a villain. Who knows? Yeah. Now, I will say this about the uh, Mafia trilogy. This this month is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, we don't have a single game to talk about on today's show. So that tells you we're talking about you stories. Want, you didn't want to talk about Elder Scrolls Blades? No. <laughs> we did already. We talked about it when it came out. That came yeah, out but we didn't talk about it on the Switch. We didn't. But, but to, to your point, Matt, that's where we're at. Oh, it is definitely where we're at. I will say this. Um, I am enjoying that game a lot. I'm not going to call it good, but I'm enjoying it a lot more with a controller. I bet. I can see that totally. Um, so you may want to consider the Mafia trilogy because, uh, you know, next month is great. Pretty much after this month, the rest of the year is awesome. Uh, so if you're looking for something to get you through the next couple weeks while we wait for the big boys to roll in, they might hey, be worth considering. Hey, you could do worse than... Trying out Mafia three and two, two and three. Yep. I mean, one obviously you don't get until August. Yeah. Um, when the physical copy comes out, and by August, I'm hoping we'll have other things to do than play Mafia one on August 28th. But we'll see where we'll we are. We'll see. We'll see how we. Who knows? We'll see how everything goes. We don't might even be, know anything be, right now. I might be too busy uh, lining up to see uh, and to risk my life to see New Mutants in a theater by then. Who knows? <laughs> it may be true. Who knows? Oh, no, thank you. We don't know. All right, and in. <laughs> In light of the fact that it's really slow, um, today is the 20th anniversary of the release of Perfect Dark. Now, I realize some of our younger viewers on the stream or watching the archive may not understand the relevance of Perfect Dark. But if you were a core gamer back when the game was about to come out and getting hyped and then it released, it was a landmark game because for most people, it was the sequel to the first ever successful console first-person shooter, which is GoldenEye. And it was billed as the sequel, the follow-up to that, the marketing plan, every, you know, a lot of the, the trailers and commercials had from the makers of GoldenEye. Here's Perfect Dark. But it ne never really ended up becoming, I think, what it was hyped uh, for. And so what I wanted to talk to you about Matt, is what is the legacy ultimately of Perfect Dark? If it has um, one at all. 
to me, the legacy of Perfect Dark is trying and failing to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Twice. Um, yeah. Because Gold and I occupied a whole lot of my time with my friends back back in the day, and then Perfect Dark came out, and we all were like super excited and ready. And Perfect Dark, here we go. Perfect Dark, da da da. We played Perfect Dark for like three days and went back to Gold and I. Yep. Um, Same and I, thing. And I don't think it was like just like oh we don't like change. I think it was because Perfect Dark didn't have the same simplicity to it and it didn't have that sort of pick up and play element like the, the guns were really cool ideas but they weren't like easy to grasp and like it people, became really complicated yeah, and people who are like you know the more casual players who just like to pick up and play goldeneye with us like as soon as we started shooting them through walls with the x-ray gun and stuff they're like wait how does that like why why can you do that like, farsight is that what it was yeah. called yeah farsight and, like they didn't dig that and the other problem was it ran like crap. Yeah. Like that thing yep. hit 10 frames a second on a regular basis, even so, with the expansion pack in place. Yeah, and so Gold and I, I actually have better. that here with me. So um, back in the day, the, the N64 got a RAM expansion. I know for a lot of you people, this is like whatever, but for younger folks, they may not realize this. And they were marketing it beforehand, you know, by the, I think it was like $29 for the four megabytes or whatever of RAM. Yeah, it sounds about I me. Mean, I got mine with a game, I think with yeah, Donkey Kong. It, it came out with Donkey Kong. They released it with Donkey Kong 64. Absolutely. Um, but Perfect Dark was supposed to be the killer app that mm -hmm. forced people to get this. And I'll just show it to you really quickly if you can see it. So there's that hatch on the top of the N64. You take that off. And there, that red thing is the RAM expansion that was like 30 bucks back mm -hmm. in the day. And Perfect Dark was supposed to be the killer app because there were parts of the game that you were unable to access unless you had the RAM. And some of the stuff was like huge. Like if you didn't have the RAM expansion, I don't think you could even play like proper multiplayer. Like you had to play with what they called Sims, but they were mm -hmm. bots. Um, yeah, I think big I push. think you could, but they limited like you couldn't add more Sims to it. I think you were limited to certain maps. Um, we never played without it, so I, I, we never really ran into that because um, obviously we all had the packs from Donkey Kong and or Rogue Rogue uh, Squadron. Those were the two games that really yeah. sold the, the pack to people for the most part, as I recall. Um, it was Battle for Naboo, yeah. I think was the one that used the pack, right? No, they both did. Did they? Uh, yeah, Rogue Squadron, I think, came out before it, but it did use it. No, you're right, it did. You're right, yep. Yep. Um, the and, But the Sims, the bots, was a huge focus for Perfect Dark. And I think that is one thing that we've seen that did not play out. Um, I think their vision of the future, because remember, they're... They weren't just bots. They had different names for the bots. There was like the dark sim and the speed sim or whatever. And they all had different behaviors. And a big part of the game was figuring out how to set up matches with the sims that would be as fun as playing against mm -hmm. humans. It never really worked. Uh, the sims were just dead shots, pretty much. I mean, if you play with a dark sim, he could just headshot you like immediately. It wasn't fun. Yeah, seven dark sims on perfect difficulty is just like you are not going to take three steps. Yeah, you have no chance. Um, and it just didn't work. And, I, and to your point, you know, it just because you needed the expansion pack, because it ran like crap, because in all honesty, a lot of the maps were really dark. I mean, it is called perfect dark. It made the visuals even muddier. It made it harder to see and pick up details of the characters from the backgrounds Mm -hmm. uh, it just—it was very muddy. It was—it was a—it was, was not a visually appealing game to me. No, even though what you saw, if you were sitting still, it looked amazing. Yeah, you're like the screenshots oh were incredible. God. Oh yeah, you're like I can't believe this is an N64, and then you had to move. Yeah, then it moved, <laughs> and you're like, ah, what the fuck? It's just this like 
blue, black, and brown smear, basically, even if you had the expansion pack. Um, so in hindsight, I don't think Perfect Dark, and look, it got high. I, I think IGN 64 gave it like a 10 out of 10. It, it got really high review scores. So I would say looking back on that era, to me, that was one of the more overrated games. Um, uh, in review-wise, yeah, I, I don't think I hear normal people no, no one much. really sings the praise of it anymore. And I think part of that might be that Perfect Dark Zero then came out after they were purchased by Microsoft, and that game was a travesty. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think what it made you realize it was maybe the first Perfect Dark wasn't so great either when you really get down to it. Yeah, um, you might hang on a second. Yeah, we lost your mic, I think. No, I, I, let me, I'm going to grab something real quick. Keep talking. Okay, okay. Um, but Perfect Dark, so to Matt's point, he was talking about how we played GoldenEye with a lot of friends. Well, just like he did, like me and my friends, when Perfect Dark came out, we were like, okay, it's time to switch. We're going from GoldenEye to Perfect Dark now. It's going to be a Perfect Dark world from now on. And I think we literally tried to play it. We didn't even last three days, I think. I think our group lasted like two days with Perfect Dark before we never played the multiplayer together again after that. Um, the campaign I did enjoy, although there were parts of it that were pretty dang hard. Um, but I did enjoy the campaign for the most part. The last act is weird. Like the whole aliens thing, I don't know. It, it, it started to become like this tongue-in-cheek thing towards the end of the game. And then I think you saw that aesthetic. Yeah, very spill. rare. Yeah. And then they, I think you saw that aesthetic spill over into Perfect Dark Zero where the whole game was kind of that way. Yeah, it, it was wacky. It was. Uh, it, it didn't go so far as to stick googly eyes on everything like every other rare game. But and like, Mr. Pants wasn't in it, but yeah. otherwise... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he probably was in there somewhere. He might have been. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was going to grab my uh, my copy of Perfect Dark Zero because uh, I I got it the night we the night the 360 came out in that stupid hangar party that went on for like 36 hours that we did live and it was one of the oh my god uh, but I got a bunch of the games there and like I thought I had still had never opened it uh, but it, it I, for whatever reason I, I guess I must have opened it for something at some point you had to Matt you couldn't you couldn't fight the urge to play Perfect no I've Dark never Zero. played that game yeah I've never you, played Perfect Dark Zero everybody was like meh and I'm like all right well, I don't need oh, to do I that played it. I, don't play I didn't, it. don't I didn't care it's not worth your time for sure um, Matt do you think we'll ever see another Perfect Dark um I would be mildly surprised but I would I guess never say never because I mean that's the thing is like like Microsoft needs more stuff in their library but do they need another shooter no yeah they don't. That's the last thing they need, and I think you saw that. Rare's new game is the furthest thing away from a yeah. shooter as it could be. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever see another Perfect Dark either. I think the only possibility would be if Microsoft gave it to another studio who's really good yeah. at making my like My only guess would be like if, you, if I was going to bring Perfect Dark back, I would bring Joanna Dark back in a different game. Like okay. I, would, I would bring her back as like a Tomb Raider kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Like more of a third-person adventure thing. Yeah, I could see that. She wasn't the best character though either. I think that no, was No, but I think problem. you could do something with her. Like you yeah. like there, there's She's just very forgettable, I think. There's I feel potential like. there if you if you play your cards right, but she's also sort of like she's emblematic of this weird period um and she did, you know, not so much as the time that that actually came out, but like it felt like there was that period in the early 2000s where like every character was like a weird sort of operative you know, everybody was <laughs> spy, in like a whatever spy this spy like that. male and female characters in like like the like the, the the leather outfit with like guns and like they work in an organization and there might be aliens somewhere. It was like this weird fallout of like 
X Files and like SWAT team and like going <laughs> going to war in Afghanistan all kind of created this weird swirl of like everybody. I, I think of that when I think of like brute force. Yeah. And like all that shit, like it's it's just, just it's, shovelware, basically. All those sort of like useless like PS2 era like like action shooter games, like it, it was just sort of this weird generic period. And like per- and Joanna Dark feels like she she both predated that and was too late to the party uh, between Perfect Dark One and Perfect Dark Zero. Mitch, what do you know? What do you know about Perfect Dark? Anything? Uh, I played Perfect Dark Zero for Xbox 360 when it first came out. Oh, you did? Um, you, got, I, you had to play the worst part of it first. Yeah, it, it wasn't really that great. I mean, I actually just learned from you guys that it was the successor to GoldenEye. I mean, I played GoldenEye a ton when I was a kid and being babysat all the time. We would play on the N64, um, but I never played the original Perfect Dark. Um, someone uh-huh. in chat, I think it's SJD Swanland, pointed out that there is a Perfect Dark game for Game Boy Color, and that is a top-down uh, third-person. I, ha- I have to say, yeah, I, I had that. completely forgotten about that. I would never have remembered that if you hadn't mentioned it. Nope. Yeah, I, yeah I good call. That. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, good call. Uh, so, yeah, you have limited uh, relationship with Perfect Dark, is what you're saying? Yeah, and I don't really have. It wasn't really not enough for you to care about if they ever made another one. God no, it was like yeah. it was just not interesting at all. Yep. What they need to make is an, is uh, to do remasters and or remakes of No One Lives Forever, um, which yep. is sort of the the perfect dark idea done correctly. That's actually a good point, and the art style also will hold up much better. Yes. Without a doubt, the the sixties sort of like James Bond groovy baby sort of element will work. So is a little more timeless than that sort of late nineties metal. <laughs> we can what do the reflections future? now <laughs> thing that yeah. was going on in Perfect yeah. Dark. I don't Everything's think. marble and and uh, aluminum. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were just making use of the hardware. And look, rare what they did on the N sixty four is still mind blowing to this day. But oh, I yeah. think. I think Perfect Dark was them getting ahead of themselves and maybe getting a little full of themselves because they got away with it with Banjo-Tooie because that game Mm -hmm. also really pushed the boundaries and at certain points also ran like complete and total crap. I mean, everything on that system did by the midpoint of its life. It did. Like, they started like, pushing it. And, yeah. Same with like Jet Force Gemini, which is my fa- yeah. one of my favorite games of all time at the time. Yeah. And I went back and tried to, you know, I, I played the rare replay uh, version on Xbox One, which they thankfully patched to play like a normal freaking game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the problem was that I went back when I got that set up to, to capture N64 stuff, I went back and as long as I got this out, I'm going to play some of these old games and I play, tried to play Jet Force Gemini. Couldn't, it, it, it runs like a slideshow. Like they all, yeah. all that stuff runs like a I don't know how we did it. One of the hardest end bosses in the history of games in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that was one of my first things at, <laughs> oh my God. one of my first things at Tech TV was uh, Adam, Adam Sessler and uh, one of the other uh, segment producer, Greg Bemis. Um, had they'd been stuck on the first major boss in Jet Force Gemini, where you where you, you fight as the dog yeah. against him? And Lupus like, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like I'm like oh I've beaten that game. I said uh, no problem. And they're like all right. Like I'm, and Bemis <laughs> was like I'm bringing my game my cartridge in, and you're gonna beat that stupid boss for me because I got to see how this is done. Uh-huh. And so I sat. We brought it in. I sat down. I'm like okay. I remember how this works. And I did beat it on my first try with one hit left. 
fun. Oh gosh! Like I, it, I, it one because he also hadn't like found all the health upgrades, so he was playing with a low life bar. But I did it again. Like, and like I remember that was one of my first like real bonding moments with the team. Was like <laughs> everybody was in there watching me like to try to beat this thing that Greg couldn't beat, and and I did it. And that was the trick with that game is collecting the extra health because yeah. if you didn't, you had no chance. No. You really didn't. Even I, at the I, end of the game, when I had I had collected all of it, I had as much health as I could have. I still fought that emboss probably a hundred times before I beat it. I had to, I ended up redoing the whole game. Like I, <laughs> I, I played the whole game again because when I got to the end boss, I did not uh, Mizar. I think was his name. Mizar, yeah. Uh, I I got to the end and I did not have enough homing. Yeah, missiles. you knew right away that if, whether you could yeah. do it or not because you needed all those. Homing and there was no way to back out of it. Yep. Like you couldn't you couldn't yeah. go away. Ah, uh, video games from yeah. the nineties. <laughs> they did not care if you had a good time. Nope, not at all. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the next Witcher game. Uh, something that I am one hundred percent sure that pretty much everyone is excited about. Um, we haven't really heard much from CD Projekt Red about this, other than the fact that it is in development and that it is coming after they're done with with uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. But otherwise, they've been pretty tight-lipped about what's uh, what's going on with the game. Obviously, the Netflix series just uh, premiered, and I think there's another season coming of that, although who knows when that's going to be now. Um, but they're starting finally to drop some hints about what the next Witcher game is going to be. And uh, a website talked with one of the lead writers at CD Projekt Red this week, and he said that uh, Siri might be the character that they end up going back to for the next game. Matt, how do you, as a, one of the biggest fans of The Witcher 3, how do you feel about that? Um, well, I mean, obviously he's sort of speaking off the cuff. My, yeah, yeah. Guess, my guess for the next Witcher game is that it will deal with her, but you will not play as her. Oh, really? Um, you, I think they're going to go back to their original concept for a Witcher game, which was to create your own Witcher. Ah, um, so Geralt then, would not be a part of it either then. Geralt's story is over. You will, you will not be playing as Geralt. I mean, he might show up, but I think Witcher 3 pretty much closes the book on that. Like, Geralt gets his ending. Um, and they've said pretty definitively that the Geralt story is over. I wonder what so, happens with the Netflix show eventually. Hmm? I wonder what happens with the Netflix show eventually. Um, um, if, well, they got a lot of books to get through. so I, Yeah. I, I guess since it's based on the books, it's kind of irrelevant, really. Yeah. It, it won't. I mean, they got... They could probably do five, six more seasons if they want, and With never the material, run out of material. Yeah. Um, and remember that the author doesn't particularly care for the books and doesn't consider the doesn't particularly care for the games and considers them to basically be fan fiction. So if well, he didn't care go, for them until he wanted paid. That was part of it. But if <laughs> then you go all of a sudden he loved the games. <laughs> but if you go past like the the end of the books, I feel like you're not gonna it's not gonna match up to the game. You know. Also, like the end of the books it was a pretty definitive end to the point that when the the reason their original idea for um, the Witcher game was to create your own Witcher was because it didn't make any sense to play as Geralt because of the situation you're in at the end of the books. Um, but in the end, they decided to just sort of fudge it and erase his memory and now we're just going to do it again. Which is fine, because I think Geralt <laughs> was one of the reasons that it, that, that it was a popular series. Yes, for um, sure. But I think a, a, a new Witcher is going to... I think you're going to be a new character... And Siri Why wouldn't probably, it be Siri? Because Siri is not a Witcher. Uh, Siri doesn't have the yeah, same how abilities. How could you call it the Witcher? Then you're right. That's yeah. true. Like she didn't go through the trials of the grasses. She's yeah, like, she has a lot of cool abilities, but she is not a Witcher. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the there Witchers, aren't many they of would, them though, right? No, there's very few. But they would they would consider. I mean, I think the Witchers would consider her a Witcher because they you know just because they didn't do the trial of the grasses, which they, which they consider to be abuse, they didn't they didn't do that. But like. 
they wouldn't go around like you're not a real witcher because that's not how they think of her but if you want to make a game called the witcher where you're playing as a witcher with all the potions and the like you have to have a witcher in there and not her also she can teleport which is sort of cheating now is um, there any chance of her doing the trials now though to become no. a witcher so that no, could be a story where she wants to become a witcher no she's too old and um she's uh, frankly got better things to do um <laughs> the uh it would be more interesting to play a fledgling fledgling witcher who survives the trials um do you think her. that might be the the concept like an ocarina of time type thing where you start as a child and work your way up to adulthood i don't know if be a, you start as a child but i bet you would start as like kind of it might you might do a, a time skip aloy kind of thing where you you see this this character go through this, the training and the trials and then it jumps like a few years later when they're slightly more seasoned and you're sort of like a a witcher doing you know walking the path early on you know not as not as experienced as Geralt in like the in the in the tv show because he's been doing that for like 70 years at that point um but something like that kind of a you know it's all, almost the star wars game i want like you know fledgling jedi action rpg like that would be sort of what i'd be about do you think um, fans will want to do create a character though because this think, is the one franchise where it's even though most of its contemporaries do it, it doesn't do it, and it's been really successful not doing it. Well, you don't have a choice because Geralt's done. Right. You can't but, go back to Geralt. And I don't think Siri can carry the same kind of gameplay. But, um, I mean, if they introduce a new Witcher and you just play as that Witcher. I just don't see the point. Like, if you're going to introduce a new Witcher, let me create it. Like, if you're not going to use a pre-established character, let me pick at least male or female. Or, but, you know, or there whatever. was a time where Geralt wasn't established, you know? Well, Geralt's been established since the book started. Like, right, but when the first game came out, nobody knew who he was. Yeah, but like, you you had something to draw from from the books. Like, he's based on a on a series of seven novels. I mean, you had a lot of material. Yeah, I get that. I'm just saying the people who were playing the game didn't know him from Adam. You know, they yeah, well, just, they just resonated with the character and liked the character. Yeah, well, I resonate with Shepard, but I created him or her. Yeah. Like, it works either way. As long as you get the performance out of the actor, like doesn't matter like and i think most people especially younger players universally and i mean universally want to create their character i'd agree i mean like, you can also see in cyberpunk 2077 obviously you can create mm -hmm. your character you can be male or female so i wouldn't be surprised at all um if you're absolutely mm -hmm. right but as usual i'm just being devil's advocate. and the biggest biggest obstacle i've run into is trying to recommend ghost of tsushima to people including people that are younger um is every time i tell them that you play as this gin guy their response is why can't i make my own samurai yeah yeah. Like, which, I mean, look, that's a it's valid just, it's, point. It's the way, it's what people expect now. I mean, it's just the way games yeah. have evolved over time. People expect to, and the other part of it too, is that it ties into finances too, because that's a gateway to, for publishers to make money. You know, if you mm -hmm. build your own character and then you get your own outfits and then you want to buy outfits and you want exclusive outfits. I mean, it's the entire Fortnite business model. So mm -hmm. I think, I think finances and just the way that CD Projekt Red is designing its games now, I think you're probably right. I think yeah, you're going to be able to like, build a character and be male or female. And, and I think there's just a big uh, draw to, especially a younger audience, of making a character that looks like them, who, who feels like they're playing as themselves. You know, I think uh, a social media generation is much more comfortable with the idea of being yourself in a weird situation as opposed to being someone else and escaping from it. You know, that's more of an RPG. But, you know, that's also an RPG thing is to decide who you're playing as. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. And you're just going to get more traction, I think, in this Witcher universe. If you can't use Geralt because that story is told, let people make their own Witcher. Let people choose their way through the story in the same way they did as Geralt to some degree, although Geralt obviously had an established personality. But you could choose to be 
kind of the cold professional or the sarcastic jerk or the helpful good guy. Like you could, you could play Geralt different ways and like, just, just let someone do that and like have Siri sort of weave through the story in and out and maybe have some other characters we recognize. You can set it whenever the hell you want, really. You can even have it be a prequel then cross paths with Geralt earlier on in the path, like in the, in the book era or something could be anything. I'm also curious because in, in Witcher three, Siri mentions the cyberpunk world as, as a place she was when she was stepping between worlds, trying to run from the wild hunt. Oh um, snap. And, cause she, and she does mention <laughs> oh, basically boy. a world of, a world of hovering cars and, and metal arms and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cute little in joke to like what they're working on next is obviously they announced the game. They announced cyberpunk in 2012, I think. And, and Witcher three came out three years later. Um, so obviously that was a, a nod to that, but like, I persistently wonder if Siri, I don't know what the licensing issue would be there, but I would persistently wonder if Siri will be re at least referenced in Cyberpunk at some point. That'd be sweet. Hey, JM Rain 99 thank you for all the tier one subs you're giving our community. That's awesome. Mitch, what do you want to see from the next Witcher game? Um, it's tricky because the world... Do you prefer creating your own character or having a really good one that the studio creates? It depends on the justification. So in this case for The Witcher, creating your own character does make a lot more sense because a Witcher themselves doesn't share as much emotion. And so you don't really have to rely on that to be the key component uh, to go through the story in the game. It's mainly the, the storylines of the other characters is the thing that intrigues the people in the Witcher universe. So for that reason, I'm fine with a create your own character. Um, I wish... I, hopefully they would involve more Siri because I think that was probably the worst element. I'm not as big on The Witcher 3 as a lot of people are. And I think the worst element is Siri because she just gets introduced and all of a sudden you have to, there's this relationship, but you don't understand it. And it, and she's the driving force of that entire plot for, um, for the whole part of the main game. And so it, it for me, it lacks that connectivity. Um, One of the, the weird things the about Witcher 3 is that it is the game of the th of the three games. It is the one that requires the most book knowledge mm. to piece some of this stuff together because the Siri relationship between him and Yennefer is very much the core of the books, which you can I think you understand by the end of this first season of the Netflix show. Like yeah. that whole first season is setting up those three people meeting each other. Yep. Absolutely. And like, would, if you don't know that backstory and you're just jumping into Witcher 3, the significance of, of them finding Siri is not very well explained, I don't think. Well, on top of that, even if you watch, like for me, I watched the cutscenes of the first two games going into the third game, and that still doesn't give you enough of a reference. No, Siri's barely mentioned yeah, in the first two games. Exactly. So I think the side missions were the thing that was its most enduring quality. And for in this case, if they keep going in that method, I mean, it, they could do anything, to be honest. I like Matt's idea in a sense of doing uh, growing up as a witcher. And, you know, while you're doing that, maybe that's the tutorial part is as you're going through mm -hmm. the trials and then you get and then you're like in a I don't know if you have an apprentice. I don't know the, the plot as well. Matt, you can probably fill something in, but like you usually would have like the a, witchers are trained by schools. So you would not take on an apprentice. Typically, it would be the, the, the like the Vesemir equivalent. Would you would be the, the apprentice, basically. Yeah. Okay. And like but, I know you, you might find others and bring them to your school's headquarters where they would be trained. But also, like by the time of the Witcher games, um, most Witchers are kind of against the idea of making more Witchers because the Trial of the Grasses, which makes you into a Witcher, has like a two-thirds chance to kill you. 
Um, and it's also like, it's horror. Like, it's all horrible. Like it's a horrible life. It's a horrible thing you go through. It's terror. And so a lot of them have just stopped doing it because they don't find witchers to be necessary anymore. And I think uh, they're, that, they're a dying breed. Yeah, I think that thing that would be really interesting for it is when once you're done with school, like right after you're done with school, trying to get your footing in to learn to be a witcher out in the world. I think that would be an interesting mm -hmm. take to try to make this game go. Um, because Geralt was such a seasoned person, uh, you couldn't relate as much to all the elements of the creatures because he always knew that knowledge. There wasn't anything... Um, in his way that he had to overcome, in a sense, where mm -hmm. if you're going in there fresh, you're like, oh, man, let me refer to my books. Oh, man, like, oh, this is how they attack. Okay, I need yeah. to Yeah, I think way. it'd be interesting to do that. Also because, like, Geralt is, is so wrapped up in royal stuff and works for kings and sort of... It'd be, more, it'd be interesting to see a younger witcher sort of on the ground, like, dealing with sort of, like, you know, the down and dirty stuff. And like you say, the, a witcher studies tons of this stuff, all the monster lore and all that, but, like... They've probably, you know, like this, this new witcher you're playing probably has, knows everything there is to know about griffins, but I bet he's never seen one before. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the whole psychological angle of just being a witcher and having to deal with the life changes that come along with that kind of, that was one of the things in the Netflix show that I really liked that they explored a little bit was what it's like to just have that life and the, the great parts about it and the downsides of it. Seeing a young, adult kind of coming to grips with that, I think could definitely add an, an emotional angle to it, maybe that it hasn't had before. So yeah, I'm on board with that. I think it would be a great idea. Um, I will say this though. I think in general, I do like characters that are created by the studio more. Um, and that's because I never can really create a character that ends up looking anything like me. Like it's always just this rough approximation. I never want to spend like, four hours making my character. And every time I feel like that's about how much time I'd have to spend to get it to really look like me. And so generally the characters that I play as that are supposed to be me in games, I don't really connect with them in that way visually. Um, so look, I'll take it either way, but I think if I had to choose, I would prefer to have like a Kratos or someone like that designed by the studio than them just say, here, make yourself or make some goofy character like GTA a lot of the characters in GTA that people make, I can't even stand to look at them. So um, I don't know. There's, I think there's positives and negatives to both approach, I guess. And I would agree to agree with you 100%. Uh, quick shout out, Tiny2K. Man, uh, throwing out, nope, throwing Tiny out, 2K. Throwing out the gauntlet out the with 10. He's doubling. So uh -oh. are we going to get one up him? Yeah. <laughs> see what happens. I would uh, say that, uh, like, I, I can take or leave the established character as created character, depending, but like, if you're not going to let someone create a character or at least choose gender or, uh, yeah. or skin color, I feel <laughs> like you better have a good reason for that. I'd agree like, with that. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't, I mean, I'm not that I'm like down on the game about it or anything, but like, I do not understand why I can't make Cal a girl in Fallen, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. yeah. Like, I realize it means you have to voice, you know, uh, the whole the whole script and again. reanimate and whatever some of it or whatever. But like, it just seems like you know, I the, one of the main criticisms I've gotten from people that I know who played it, like especially women, are just like, I wish I could have been a girl Jedi because that's yeah. what I wanted to be. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's no reason not to do that. There for that game, absolutely no reason why that they're they couldn't have put a female yeah, character. Like Geralt needs to be Geralt. You know, like I you know I get why people want to be able to create a Witcher character, but like now maybe that you know now do that. Like, well, I think yeah. any game where you have romance involved, it get it makes things more complicated because I don't think it does. 
like Bioware navigates that just fine. That's a lot of work though. And a lot of developers don't want to do that. You know, they don't want to have to create this entire like relationship system now because they have both male and female characters. Whereas well, they just can make just everybody create... just make everybody buy. There you go. <laughs> that is one way to solve it, I guess. Who cares? I don't care, but some people might. Um yeah, well, but, like them. to your point about Geralt like... though, you know, his relationships and you know his beddings with various women. Mm. Uh, that's an integral part of his character, to be honest. And uh, I don't, I don't think there are female witchers. Yeah, I, I don't think there are either. Thing. Actually, yeah. Um, if I recall from the books, I don't think. I think that's a thing. I think all the witchers are boys. Yeah, oh, okay. in the game, they they mentioned something about uh, no no female witchers. That's why Siri never really was one. But she was so trained. wait. So with the next witcher, then they really can't let you pick gender, then, right? Well, you can. I mean, you can break the rule. That's you know, as uh, John Landis used to say, um, "How do you kill a vampire?" And somebody would, you know, you'd say like, "Oh, garlic or steak," and he's like, "No, you kill a vampire any way you want because they don't fucking exist." <laughs> like so, yeah. so yeah. If you want to change that, like, go ahead and change it, or you, or you, or you bring in some other school. You know, I'm sure you, you can make like you do a thing where like you know you choose your school for the witcher, like cat school or bear school, and you just come up with another. Another school, and this school is a previously we didn't know about this school, and they're all girls, all girls, all girls. Which are, which there's there's school. easy ways to <laughs> to who, make who cares. It yeah, like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, Assassin's Creed kind of set the precedent for male and female, so it's kind of yeah, now, it's now expected. It is a lot I, of work though. So. It's a lot of extra work that you have to. It is, but I think it's worth putting it in. Agree, a thousand percent. I just think some teams just run out of time and budget. And I mean, I would like, probably guess that was what happened with Fallen Order. Is like, yep, that's my guess. Fallen Fall Order barely got its combat done, so yeah, like, they're the like, eh. yeah, <laughs> they're like, we barely got one character to play well. Like, let's. But let's I'm just saying, for the sequel for the for two. Jedi Academy got that right, and that's Jedi true. Academy <laughs> came out like 13 years before it. So you know, yep. maybe for the next one. Yep, I don't uh, need to play as Cal again. Yep. Uh, before we move on, I should also mention it's the fifth anniversary of The Witcher, which is another reason why, or mm -hmm. The Witcher 3, which is another reason why we're discussing this. And right now the game is on sale at like rock bottom prices. So if you're one of the three people left on planet Earth that yeah. hasn't played The Witcher 3, you can go pick it up for dirt cheap right now. And give also, it a uh, Thursday is the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Man. It's crazy. Yesterday was the, uh, and I don't know if people don't care about this, but yesterday was the 40th anniversary of the lead singer of Joy Division dying. And, I saw uh, like four people post that on Facebook yesterday. Well, I mean, yeah, they're it's just, a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, he committed suicide, but he had mm -hmm. epilepsy. And uh, yeah. he's since he's died, he's created a lot of awareness for epilepsy, and they were celebrating kind of the 40th to help promote mm -hmm. awareness around epilepsy. Um, but wow, I mean, I just, because of that, I listened to some of their music again yesterday and like literally it's 40 years old and it could have been made yesterday. Yeah. How crazy really is it? How crazy that he did all that by 23? I know, I know. And the crazy part about that whole story. And if you look, if you, you can watch 24 hour party people control is a really good documentary mm -hmm. about it. It's a really, really interesting story. Um, and even if you don't care about music or anything, it's a great, it's a great movie to watch, but yeah. They were on literally the night he killed himself was the night before they were blowing up. Their American yeah. tour started the next day. Um, and the pressure of that tour was too much for him and he mm -hmm. couldn't handle it. And, and that and it's the, the dissolve of his marriage and all that. I mean, yeah. it was, he was having a lot of problems. Like, and the thing is, like, you see interviews with the band and they're like, they're like, oh, we really didn't know how in, how in pain and how horrible they were. Like, have you heard his lyrics, boys? <laughs> oh, I know. But they'll damn. say that, like, we didn't really listen to what he was singing. <laughs> it's like, 
how could you not uh, listen? You to fucking musicians. But again, it's a really interesting story. And again, there's like a there's a black and white doc that they did called Control, which is really good. Like the 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 actors actually play their music live in that. By the way, they learned how to play the songs, which is really cool. And then there's like a more like satirized version of it called Twenty Four Hour Party. Anyway. Just an interesting story. Yeah. Also, but you're, you're right. Even if you don't care, it's it's yeah. still play. It's like that Michael Jordan series it's on right yeah. now. It's it like I don't dance. care about basketball at all. But that whole series is riveting. Yeah, it is. It's just drama. Drama is drama. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's. It's, it's, it's the fact that he and Pippen are talking about the real shit that happened back then. Like that's yep. what's interesting. Yeah, yeah like, like, I love stuff like that that like covers something. It's like, hey, even if you don't care about the actual subject we're covering, the human drama is going to get you through. Yep. Yep. And for those of you who don't know, Joy Division ended up becoming New Order, and New Order is yeah. still around to this day. So you may not know that Joy Division actually was the first band. And then when Ian Curtis died, the remaining members formed New Order, mm-hmm. added a couple people, and off they went. So anyway, definitely worth watching. Rest in peace, Ian Curtis. I've enjoyed your music for 40 freaking years now. Amazing. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something a lot more lighthearted. <laughs> Way more lighthearted than people who killed themselves over epilepsy. And that is... Paper Mario, the Origami King. Now, I think most people look at Paper Mario as a franchise that I think they have generally positive vibes for. But I think a lot of that is dependent upon how old they are. So I think if Mitch had played a lot of Nintendo games, I think his opinion of Paper Mario would probably be pretty sour. But Matt and I, who have been playing them for quite a long time, at least for me personally, I'll say for myself, um, I still have positive vibes for Paper Mario because the first three games to me were pretty freaking amazing. Um, they are RPGs, although the last few entries have really kind of veered away from that. And that's yeah, really, I don't even know what I'd call Sticker Star. Yeah, Sticker Star a, or a Color huge Splash. disappointment. <laughs> yeah, Color Splash was the last one that came out for Wii U, um, and it it reviewed okay, but the fans really hated it because it had completely gone away from its RPG roots. Enter. Paper Mario, the Origami King. And it appears that Nintendo has been listening to fans because it looks like it's going right back to the old school way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, also kind of out of nowhere. Like yeah. they, they dropped this thing on Twitter, didn't they? Like it's just like, well, oh, by topic, the way. Yeah, another topic actually that I al- almost added to this week's show was, are we starting to see Nintendo repeat the cycle again? Meaning another platform where the first couple years are amazing and then after that, you're sitting around waiting for games to play because it's starting to get into that territory. Yeah, but everybody's in that territory right now, so it's hard to single out Nintendo well, for that. Well, the difference also, is Nintendo's about those to re- consoles have been available for seven years. <laughs> yeah, well, so I mean, they should have some difference. content. Yeah, um, but, but like, the Switch has only been available for like three yeah, or but four. The, what I'm saying is the whole schedule this year is forked yeah. um, for everything, not just ga- not just games. Um, and and also like you know it is a bad month, but Nintendo's about to give me a remake remake of one of my favorite games of all time in about twelve days. So like I can't be too down on them. And uh, then they they're busting this out for summer release out of nowhere. Yeah, this is also uh, July seventeenth, I believe. Yeah. Same and day so as Ghost like, of hey, Tsushima, which is an odd. Two very different approaches to uh, (laughs) your summer release schedule, but here we are. You can buy them both. You can play uh, Ghost of Tsushima and get bummed out, and then you can switch to Paper Mario and come back up and then go back down, and you can just ride that seesaw all the way through. (laughs) 
Um, but look, personally, I am really excited for this game. They haven't shown a ton of raw gameplay. There's one literally like 15 second snippet that just shows raw, and it's at the end of the B-roll that you're going to see here, but it just shows the raw gameplay, and it appears to have this, I don't know if it's just this battle or if all the battles are going to be this way, but battle the battle is taking place on this disc that has a bunch of different rings on it, and the rings like spin and so part of the objective is to line up all the enemies that are on these spinning discs into a line so you can attack and then hit them all at once. Um, I don't know if that mechanic's going to be like the whole game. Um, According I, to Nintendo, that is true. That is the way it works, yes. the whole game. When I was okay. looking it up in Noobs, that's what it says on their website. Okay. How do you feel about that battle system, Matt? A lot more almost strategy RPG mm -hmm. this time versus just straight-up turn-based RPG. I mean, it's got to be better than Sticker Star. Yep. But like... <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I like really play it, because um, that seems like a mechanic that could early on be like, "Oh, this is a cool idea," and like 14 hours later, it's just like, "Oh my god, I'm tired of fucking slogging through this mechanic to like line everybody up, and I just want to hit things and be done with it." Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Like, I, I, the good entries of the Paper Mario series like always keep it fresh and always keep it evolving to some degree, or at least give you something to do with it uh, that keeps it keeps it interesting. Um, so I'm hoping that this will be a return to form in that regard. I, I love the premise. So you kind of already got me on board in that regard. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious if this battle system can keep my attention the whole length of the game. I, I will say this, naming this franchise Paper Mario made it tough on them from the get-go because mm -hmm. every theme has to have something to do with paper. Like, it's, they should have probably just kept the name like Super Mario RPG or something instead of... I think they didn't want to call it that because it sets up expectations of that Square game from the Super Nintendo. That's true, um, but now though, it, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But now that doesn't matter, you know. It, it, no, but I think it sucked for a few years. But they love the Paper Mario aesthetic internally. I think. I th yeah, I, I mean, I, I like it too. But it just eventually, it just seems like they're starting to run out of ideas. Oh, I think they already did some time ago, but this <laughs> the, the idea of, a, of an origami world that sort of contrasts with the normal paper doll world is an interesting one. Like, I, I think they might have something there. Um, there's a lot of detail in in how they've designed the origami stuff versus how they've designed this, the standard Paper Mario stuff. I like that dichotomy. Yeah. Um, like, I'm interested. Like, you know, like, and I, after Sticker Star and to a lesser degree Color Splash, I never thought I'd say that again about Paper Mario, but like, it feels like they've, sort of been like, okay, let's just roll this back a little bit and kind of go more thousand-year door with this. And uh, there is nothing bad about that statement to me. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like they listen to fans, finally. Um, mm -hmm. They've been asking for this for a while, and, and that's kind of... Isn't that the Switch in a nutshell, really? Isn't yeah. it just Nintendo finally listening to its fans? Pretty much, it seems like I mean, it. Think about all the things that Nintendo has delivered with Switch that fans were asking for for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think it's sort of the natural third... It's the end of the trilogy, basically, where, like, the Wii blew up, and they thought they had, like, this magic ticket to, like, endless revenue and this huge new audience, and they didn't realize that that huge audience just wanted to play Wii Sports. Yeah. And they thought of the Wii as a little box that just did that. Yeah, And so they brought the Wii U out and didn't even... I, mean, I still remember when they premiered the Wii U... And I was on mic with uh, with one of the producers and Adam, and we were arguing over whether it was a new system or not. Yeah, like people couldn't no, figure it out. They didn't even they barely. I don't know if they even showed the actual 
console in that initial reveal trailer. It was just the pad. There, and everyone's like, is it, it an add-on for the Wii? Is it a th- like, yeah. what is it? And then and after so, the conference, they had the Wii U yeah. under the TVs. And I remember I took a photo of it and I think I posted it on Twitter. I don't know if Twitter existed back then. But I ended up sharing that photo with people and it like exploded because it it was really long, I think, is what mm-hmm. people were shocked by. Because if you looked at it from the front, you're right. It was hard to tell it was even a new system. But then when you saw it from the side, it like stretched way back yeah. farther than the Wii ever did. Yeah, the, the, the footprint is completely different. But like, And then once people saw that yeah. photo, they were like, oh, crap. Okay, that is actually a yeah. different and the pre- the press release that went out right after the press conference happened, like explicitly said it's a new console. It's a new game system yeah but the if you just watched the press briefing you it, it was completely understandable if you weren't sure like yeah, it was very just like oh there's a new tablet controller for the wii now and yeah. the uh you know they thought the audience for the wii that made the wii a giant runaway success would come over and play this too and they absolutely did not and uh the switch like, you to- know what we're going to play up to our fans this, from now Yeah, on. I think the Switch is sort of like an, an inherent acknowledgement that like, oh, the peop- we, should, we should play to the people who never left us. Yeah. Uh, the, the core fans who like, you know, they stuck it out through the Wii. They'll, a lot of them bought Wii U's to play their favorites. Things, you know, what, the things that were on the Wii U were good. I mean, I, I would rarely have recommended to buy it, but there's, there's stuff on that system. A lot of it's coming forward to the Switch now. There's stuff on that system that I really liked. It was some of my favorite things of that generation. There's really nothing left to bring forward because this week we also heard rumors that Pikmin 3 is going to be released for Switch. You rescue Pikmin 3, you rescue Xenoblade Chronicles X, and you rescue the HD Zelda remasters, and I think you're you're good. You're done. Where's Pikmin 4? Who Where knows? Is it? Pikmin Miyamoto 4, on record saying it was basically done two years ago. On record. Yeah. Knowing him, though, it was like he said that, and then he thought about it, and he's like, no, we must start over. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he must be completely reworking that formula for that fourth game. That's the only thing I can figure. Um, But I'll tell you what, Nintendo can really use a new Pikmin right about now. They could. I think Switch, I think you're right. This Switch is sort of like, you know, Switch was finally them sort of, their come to Jesus moment when they realized, like, oh, we better better not, like, we better just take this and do what we do and please the people that are always there. And if we lose them, oh look what happened! Yeah. It blew up. Yeah. Like it's like Funny you know, it, but it blew, but it blew up. It's like the, the, I think the blow up of the Switch versus the blow up of the Wii is the greatest lesson to take because the Wii sold crazy numbers of units, and then you could, could barely sell ten million copies of Super Mario Galaxy. Yep. And on the that. Switch, the attach rate is through the roof because yeah. the the gamers your fans, bought it. yeah, the fans the, bought it. The yeah. players bought it, the, and yeah. they want the content, so that's where the money's made, and it's great. Yep. So well done for yeah. finally figuring that out 15 years later. I would also say well done to the fact that Nintendo announced this game and it's coming out a few months later. Yeah. I, I'm all for more of that. <laughs> I mean, and they need to because like, like like we said, once you get past Xenoblade Chronicles in 12 days, what's coming out on the Switch? Like we didn't, there was nothing announced yet. And, I mean, not that there's nothing all, coming, but there's something, we needed to know something and here it was. The other thing too about Switch is that it's had this little bit of a grace period where developers were still making games for PS4 and Xbox One that could possibly run on Switch. Mm-hmm. Now, you, all the developers are abandoning those platforms. They're all moving to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and so the third-party support for Switch is going to start to suffer, and if they don't have that first-party stuff rolling in, again, it could be yep. 
It, I mean, the Switch could end up just basically being viable for an extra year over other Nintendo consoles. Despite I mean, I do all, think like, you're going to see a lot of. I think you are going to see a lot of remaster content. Like, even if you don't see the new stuff that's coming out on the like other consoles, all the consoles. Mario the platformers that are. Oh uh, no, out. I mean like third parties. I mean like the Bioshock oh. and Borderlands. I think that will be what third parties start doing is they take like other rem older remasters and start putting them on Switch. Um, Make a quick buck. You pretty much. I mean, and kind of fleshing. I mean, I don't have no interest in having Bioshock on the Switch. Why would I care about that? I, I have the, I have that game like three different ways. Yeah, me on, too. All on more powerful hardware. Yeah. But like, um, you know, there's no reason not to. Uh, you know, it sells stuff it's like cheap, that sells so you're well. Sell some, yeah. And it stands sure. out in that just vast blasted heath of garbage that is the eShop. <laughs> like, oh my god! Every it time is. I open that thing, I'm like. Where are the games? Like, I not the, mo the mobile shovelware that for some reason just chokes this thing to death. Oh, it's so bad. Like, it's like, we curate every day, and typically how it works is Vincent will kind of go through the admin and delete a lot of the duplicate stories, because one publication writes a story, then 18 other publications right. write the same story. So he'll go through, he'll start deleting the duplicates, <coughs> and you start to... Uh, like really digging in to uh, to the content, really, and you start to see that you know all these games are not being announced anymore for Switch. Like we do when we do Sifted HQ and Mitch, like he'll he'll do noobs, all the new games that are announced. Almost every entry at the end says every platform but Switch, or. It's coming for PS4, PC, Xbox mm -hmm. One, and not Switch. Like ever. Or like maybe game. we'll talk about Switch later. It seems to happen a lot too. And the other thing too is that like when Vincent leaves a lot of that stuff in there, I'll get to the end and it will just be this deluge of crappy shovelware mm. mobile games going to Switch. Um, and we don't even curate them because a lot of them are from like 2013, 2015. Like a, a lot of the small developers have decided that Switch is a good place to maybe try to make. Some extra yeah. coin on the. And they're probably game. right, but I sometimes yeah. I look at that eShop like you know new release section or whatever, and I just want to, like I want like a little like filter checkbox. It just says says uh, like filter out garbage. Yeah, like, it's just like, <laughs> and I kind of the thing's yeah. like like you know you know what I mean. Like, you know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on, we all we all know. Come yeah, on. the standards show me, for the eShop. Just show me the real games. Give me a real games tab. Yeah, I mean the standards for the eShop probably aren't any different than PSN or. Xbox Live, but the, those platforms are much better at bubbling up the stuff that you actually care about instead of inundating you with a bunch of crap. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something Nintendo can certainly work on. Like, it, like the, the the floor should be Elder Scrolls Blades. Yeah, like that's like the minimum. Yeah, quality level. And then like, but everything. But Elder Scrolls Blades is probably one of the best mobile game port dumps in on forever. the system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the Switch, absolutely. Most of them are like endless runners and goofy like clones and whatever yeah. yeah just a bunch of garbage so i don't know it's been great the switch has been amazing so far and we obviously still have metroid prime 4 coming and bayonetta 3 and, and i still got my 2, fingers crossed for a mercury steam 2d metroid which could absolutely I still, I still, still think happen. that's a non-zero chance for this year i agree but well also if you remember the rumor that said 2d metroid coming this year it was the same rumor that said paper mario yep on the way and also releasing really soon so mm -hmm. that leak was right so my guess is there is absolutely a 2d metroid coming however i still looking down the road for switch 
it started to look a little dicey. I'll be honest with you, as far as software is concerned, the good news is for new buyers, there's already so many great games available yeah. for Nintendo's it. Nintendo's just going to have to step it up and do that thing where they, you know, they release at least two things a quarter from the bond them on their own that make it worth playing. Yep. Um, and I think they can do that now. They don't have to worry about a, a portable system. I mean, yeah. obviously it is portable, but like you don't have the 3DS DSi or whatever, like kind of sucking up, distracting resources. it. You can yeah. put everything on the one system, and I think they can do that. Yep. Uh, I think well, I'm sure we'll find out more over the next month or so as more stuff gets announced, and I'm sure there'll be a, some direct that like sets up the at least not part of the remainder of the year. Nintendo has announced that they are that they said that they're not going to be doing a direct for quite some time due to coronavirus. Mm. So this drop uh, that's interesting. in regards yeah, Nintendo's to Nintendo's not even going to do like an E3 no, thing. No, they're at not all, doing like anything everybody in else. June or July. They are staying out of it. So all right, well, this might surprised. be how they deliver this from now on. Then exactly. I guess exactly. I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be like one game announcement. Well, it's not like it didn't work. No, correct. Yeah. It works. <laughs> We're talking about it right now. Mitch, have you ever played a Paper Mario game? No, but I like the aesthetic, and this one seems a little interesting. Uh, the wheel mechanic, I think there's some clever stuff you could do with it, so I will definitely pick this one up. Well, I'll wait before I tell someone <laughs> to pick it up, but <laughs> it, that's an interesting concept for sure. Um, well, we I'm probably not don't want to tell people to pick, it, to up pick it up. I'm just going to pick <laughs> it up. You know? Okay. Wow, you're sold that fast. That's impressive. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk about definitely, I think, the biggest story of the week. Um, we, personally, Game Face, we've been giving Sony the business here for the last couple months, wondering why its promotion has been slow, why we know so much about Xbox Series X and we don't know much about PlayStation 5. Um, and we still, that's still the case, to be honest with you. We still know way more about one than the other. However, this week we got some insight from a pretty unlikely source and not one I would have ever guessed. Uh, Epic Games finally debuted the first tech demo for Unreal Engine 5, which is a big deal all on its own because Unreal Engine 5 is the engine that's going to power probably 30 to 40% of all the games that are released for Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. But Epic twisted the knife even a little bit further by stating that not only was it the first Unreal 5 demo, it is also running live on PlayStation 5 hardware. So... All we had had were the specs that we had gotten from Mr. Cerny. People were, I would say, underwhelmed by the specs. Uh, at best, at worst, people were saying it was vastly underpowered compared to Xbox Series X. Um, Matt, after watching this tech demo, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, I always thought that was bullshit. So <laughs> it's not like, there's no way to, to, to calculate that really until we see what these games are doing and taking advantage of what Cerny was talking about. Um, but it's clear from this demo that like there's nothing to worry about. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and if you're well, I think if you're Microsoft, you may have something to worry about now. I mean, I don't. I mean, they they Epic said that this runs just as well on Series X. Oh, so it did. Yeah. It's, I it's didn't see the that. same. It's it's this is just what they're going to look like. I guess. I mean, I don't think they're going to look this good because obviously, like this is a demo that's running without without AI and without like a gameplay systems underneath it and that pathfinding kind of, a, and all that kind that of kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But um. You know, it's just an example of like, here's what you can do, and here's how we can streamline this, and here's how you know. I also thought it was interesting that they did call out the sound. Yeah, um, everybody's hitting sound real hard in these it next is gen demos. I'm really starting um, to wonder if I need to like upgrade my system. Like, I, I have. Here's the thing: the sound on on this one isn't really about upgrading the system so much as how they can in real time make the sound sound like they belong in the world they're in. Yeah. Like it's it's stuff like it's stuff like. 
is little subtle things like the the sound of the flapping bat wings reverberating off the the cave and you can hear that and it makes it feel like it has a sense of place but you don't have to do that like by hand. You don't have to fake it. Yeah, because that's what they do generally. Like if you're inside they'll just like slap an echo or something or a delay on Like this is the big the big like thing and they they call it out several times on demos and none of it's pre-baked. Like you just put it in and it works. Um, And this is like similar tech I think to uh, to what you're seeing when if you watch the behind the scenes stuff on the Mandalorian uh, where they are using Unreal Tech to basically generate the world in real time as they shoot the show on a green screen set, like it's that kind of thing, you know. That and, and it's, I think it's similar kind of the, uh, the ability, the ability to just sort of bring your CAD stuff and bring your photogrammetry right into it and just have it work. That's crazy. Like that's a workflow streamline. Oh yeah. That like Absolutely. that addresses the thing we always we've talked about, where it's like as these things get higher and higher in terms of like fidelity and visual detail how the hell do you afford to pay people to work on this thing for the number of years it's going to take to make all that happen? Yep. But here's Epic coming in and being like, oh, like, you just import it. Like, you just do it. And it's like, like where they talk about that statue, like, that's a great reveal. And, like, the developer friends I have that I've t- I talked about it with were like, that statue where they're like, oh, there's a 17 million triangle statue, and we just brought it right in, you can run lighting over it, it's amazing. And okay, oh, by the way, here's a room with like here's 500 Here's a room full of them, of them. yeah. And it's just, it, they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's really impressive. Like it's, it's, it's a very exciting demo from a tech standpoint and from a kind of pipeline standpoint. Now, do you, so you said that you don't think games are going to look that good. I do. I think they'll look better than that. And I hope that they do because I want more out of Gen 9 than what we saw there. I mean, eventually you'll, you'll get some optimization tricks and stuff, but I'm, I'm thinking about how, like, you know, demos like this do tend to be kind of an idealized situation. You don't need to have all the other things running under the hood that make a game a game. Like, this yeah. is very, you know, you're, you're basically just pushing up in this demo. You know, like, and look, you're in one regard, you're right, because if you go back and look at prior Unreal demos, the games have never ended up looking as no. good as that. Even demo. the early Gears of War stuff, when yep. they were showing it and not admitting it was Gears of War, just saying, like, oh, it's just some monsters some we made. Epic you know, project. Like, so, Matt, do you think maybe in the future, though, that the, these demos that we see, maybe the actual games will end up looking a little bit closer to what we're seeing in the demos? I mean, probably like thing games inevitably look better as the generation continues. Like I would say, Gears of War three on the three hundred and sixty more or less looks as good as the initial GDC demos for the Unreal Engine three. Agreed. Um, yeah. It gets there, and also like this demo is like, like we're not seeing like really a beautiful design here beyond like the statues yeah the art is like like whatever like the point is not to like wow you with the art directions you know because it's mostly just like oh oh that's the most beautiful rock wall i've ever seen not really it's more like it's impressive that it can fool your eye into thinking it's real more than it's a triumph of art design right Mm -hmm. and also like so what we see in this is like okay unreal engine 5 is really good at natural rock and stone and carved details like what do trees look like yeah, what well, do human? F- I mean, let's be honest. What do humans look like? I yeah, mean, I, that's the other thing. Is like, I know they're not yeah. trying to do that, but like, I don't think the character looks all that good. Exactly, her clothes and do, and but, they do hide her a lot, so you can't yeah. really like see her face and her facial expressions. But when it um, pan- like at the end when it pans around to her face before she goes into the portal, I'm like, that looks like cameo. Like, yeah. I'm so, like that's like that's not impressive facial animation or facial design. Like, which is you know obviously not the point. There might be another demo coming where they show what actual characters can look like, but my my point is kind of like 
this this demo showed us a really cool like kind of tech demo of pipeline ideas and what you can import and how the lighting works but all it showed us in terms of sort of like aesthetics is rocks yeah and so we don't know what space looks like or what what trees look like or what a city would look like you know there's a lot more that we can see in the future from this that will kind of educate us more on what this engine's strengths are and what they, because remember, you know, Unreal's always been cutting edge you know, and been, you know, part of the, but there was also that period where they just couldn't do hair. You yeah. Know? And like, oh, yeah. I so, mean, the so, gears. I mean, that's why everyone was bald yeah. in a lot of Unreal games back in the 360 era. Yeah, everybody loved the cornrows for a while. It was <laughs> that's pretty yeah. funny. Because the cornrows, you could just like plaster it as a texture on their head, but then you could have it hang and it physics. You know, like that, <laughs> that was the whole point. Now, Matt, you said earlier, and I wasn't aware of this, and I'm glad that you brought it up. You said that uh, Epic had come out and said that this runs just fine on Xbox Series X as well. Yeah. Do, do you think that that came from Microsoft, or do you think that Epic took it upon itself to oh, that was, get that um, disclaimer out there? I believe that was one of the te- one of the Epic team guys responding to questions on Twitter. Oh, okay. It was Jeff Keighley question. He was asking. Oh, yeah, what, okay. um, he specifically was asking in regards to the power and saying like these consoles are slightly different what advantages does one have over the other and they basically said we love both our children was their exact uh, answer mm-hmm. so they really no, didn't gonna get say that. anything about it so wait did they specifically say though that it runs just as well on series x or did they just say that we love both our children the thing i, I read said like it run- they said that specifically okay. the thing i read said that he said specifically like it runs just as just the same on xbox okay so um, it was solicited from keely it wasn't that they were being proactive or microsoft reached out no to they them. were answering a question yeah. I, def- I didn't see it was from keely but i did see that it was an answer to something they'd been asked yeah and at um, the same time i'm not surprised by that at all like that's no. what i expected i think that's what most people expected the story here is that a lot of people didn't expect that PlayStation 5 could run the same stuff that Xbox Series X could. Well, um, that was if they thought that they're dumb because, yeah. or they don't know what they're looking at because there was never an, I mean, it was going to be a matter of weird ticky, you know, it, the, the, even with the, you know, the teraflops don't really mean anything because they mean different things depending on what hardware configuration you're working with. But like, yeah, it, w- it has been always very clear as long as, as soon as we started seeing details from like Cerny on this thing, like the difference was not going to be something you could tell without digital foundries help. Probably. Yeah. But you know, it, it was going to be real close. Yeah. So um, you don't foresee this being another like, PS3, Xbox 360 situation. Not a like chance. We're, we're out of the gate. The games on PlayStation 5, you can definitely see that they don't look quite as good and they don't run quite as well. You don't see that happening I don't, this time. I don't see any reason why that would be a thing unless there's some element to how PlayStation's architecture works that is inconvenient in the way the PS3 was. And the developers, the multi-platform developers just don't feel like taking the time to optimize for it or don't have the money or the time to optimize for it, which is the problem with the PS3 was everyone I know who was in dev at that time doing multi-platform stuff just did not have the freaking time or the money in some cases, like Ubisoft was not interested in optimizing shit from that for the cell processor. Like yeah. they're like, get it to work. And that's okay. especially because for a long time, there was no reason to because 360 was so far ahead that yeah. you weren't going to make any ground up in sales by putting more money and time into making it run yeah. equally good on the PS3. I don't see that being the case with this generation because I think the PS5 is going to sell crazy. So um, I, th- I think it's going to be a very close race this time. Uh, and it wasn't 
in the 360 PS3 generation, in part because the Wii was so far ahead, no one was paying attention. But like, yeah. it, and eventually the PS3 did win, like in the long, 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 long ten-year run. Yeah. Like they <laughs> sold more units in the end, you know, total. But yeah. the 360 was in charge to that whole generation between the two of those systems. I mean, it may have sold more consoles, but the Xbox 360 was the console to own. It was the zeitgeist, yeah. yeah. And and remember, I, I can only think of one multi-platform game that runs better on. Um, PS3, and, that's and it probably Paradise. came in, in like the last like couple years. When it's Burnout Paradise, yeah, Burnout Paradise has slightly better sparks, I believe, <laughs> and it runs a little better. Like, it, like that was the uh, maybe that was Burnout Three. It was one of the Burnouts. Uh-huh. One of the Burnouts runs better on PS3, and that's the only one I think I can recall. Yep. Uh, is it safe to say? At least I'll speak for myself right now when I say that uh, seeing this demo has increased my interest and hopes in playstation 5 would you guys agree with that matt first no i think mine's about i mean i never doubted that ps5 was going to have this kind of capability Uh, i mean unreal engine 5 looks amazing in this demo but it also kind of looks like what i was expecting this new generation to look like uh and so far we had kind of been denied that and it was like oh okay well epic's gonna step in and do that i have no doubt that that's pretty much what sony's first party stuff's gonna look like um, probably on different engines, but like I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. You know, Sony has always exploited its own hardware better than anyone else. So I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be a, would be a problem. Um, yeah, like I don't. I I think this is the first time I've seen anything that really made me go, okay, yeah, that's what I've been waiting for. Like where yeah. you know, where were you? you know, and that includes that Xbox Insider. Yeah, thing. for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, what about you, Mitch? How are you feeling about PS Five after uh, the real reveal of Unreal Engine Five? I feel the same. I mean, I was I was similar where I wasn't down after looking at the specs of what this PlayStation 5 was going to be able to do. Um, I think this overall is an excellent way to show next generation. This is what Microsoft should have did last week. And I think, you know, I may have said it wrong when I was talking about Microsoft last week in regards to showing off the games at the best possible fidelity. This kind of shows in a sense of... You know, because Microsoft has to up-res everything from Xbox uh, Xbox One, that games may not look this good on Xbox One, and maybe that's why there's such a stark difference. You mean difference. on Xbox Series X? Correct. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and that's why there might be a stark difference, um, and that's why maybe this shows off a little bit better because there is such detail. Heck, they can pull, they literally said, they could take rocks from the Lion King animated movie, which is a phenomenal a digital masterpiece of technology, and they can just import it right in. They don't have to right down-res it. They yeah. don't have to yeah. color over the textures. There's so much The Toy Story is finally here, is what yeah. you're saying. It was and supposed to happen with PlayStation 3, but finally, I think in real time, we could probably get the first Toy Story at this point. Absolutely, and I, I, I just think this blows everything out of the water that we've seen from next generation. This is next gen. Like that's the first time I've ever believed that this is what something could really be. Yep. So it sounds yeah, like all three of us agree that it definitely did not hurt PlayStation five. No. And uh, I also would way, say, I, I would say that like part of the problem was with the stuff that was shown in the Xbox insider thing. Um, they're kind of C listers. Yeah. Like yeah, we those talked are, about that. Those yeah. are game. Those are all games from companies. I don't expect to look like this unreal de- demo. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, like there's always going to be not everything's going to be Last of Us Two, yep. Uh, visual fidelity wise, and so now we're you know Unreal. Unreal I would 5 argue is, they should have shown their equivalent though instead. They of probably showing, should have, yeah. but I mean there's also yeah. the something we said for getting that out of the way. Uh, 
And I mean, Microsoft must have known that this was coming. Like clearly Microsoft has seen Unreal Engine 5. They've probably seen that demo yeah. many times. Like yeah. they knew they knew it was coming. There's an element now having seen this of like, were they just getting that out of the way? So yeah. that when Unreal Engine 5 gets shown, the next thing Xbox comes out of the gate with has got to be a fucking jaw dropper. Yeah. So it's quite we'll possible. see. We'll yep. see what Halo looks like. Like you know, Halo Infinite better blow my fucking eyeballs out of them out of my head. Like after that, like so especially we'll after it's been what five years or something since they yeah. started working on it. Like yeah, it better blow our doors off. And me. after it took how long to get Master Chief Collection just in shape, like playable, right? like four years to get that thing to work properly. Yeah. And I know that wasn't three, you know, three four threes entire fall because they outsourced it. But you did outsource it. So, you yeah, know, that's true. Microsoft, you know, I think the Xbox will sell very well. I think the Xbox will be, um, you know, a contender. But like, there's no question that Microsoft is the one on the back foot right now. Yep. Like you have they have to they have to show the goods next time they try anything. Yep. And it looks like it won't be that long because they're having that big first party blowout here in the very near future. So mm -hmm. looks like we'll be able to get a look at the very best that Microsoft will have to offer for Xbox Series X very soon. And yeah. based upon some news reports that we're getting right now, it sounds like the same thing's going to happen for Sony real soon. Yeah. Uh, the president of Sony Corporate uh, in their earnings report just said that get ready because we're about to start showing our first party stuff. For yeah. PS5. Well, there's, uh, there's more rumors uh, swirling about Alan Wake. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, that's uh, pretty much confirmed at this point. Pretty yeah, much. And, and let's not forget, um, I mean, I know Konami said, but Silent Hill, people. Yeah. Here we go. That would be a good one to get as an exclusive because Konami's not going to do anything with it. You could pay them a small amount of money. You could put a good team on it, mm -hmm. and it's just going to have built-in interest right out of the and game. And it kind of fills a gap in Sony's first-party lineup. They don't have a lot of horror to speak of. And that is the, the platform that that series was birthed in and thrived yep. on. So it makes a lot of sense. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, I'm glad that we're going to be here to share it with you guys. All right. It's time to move on. Where's to Batman? <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess you saw that uh, WB Montreal just said it's going to be a while still. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing up there, man. It's crazy. You, you'd think they'd have that formula down, but you uh, think <laughs> you would think. Look, I'm not. I'm. I, I get it. You don't want to just keep repeating yourself, but it's like I would play one of those game, those Batman games, if you just cranked one out every two years and didn't yeah. really change a whole lot. Like I'm. Yeah. Two like, years is good. That's yeah. a, enough time where you're okay playing kind of that same template. Over yeah, like I've played 14 Assassin's Creed games in the last 13 <laughs> years. Like I'll play an Arkham game every couple of years. Like, yep. it's so weird. Yep, I hear you. All right, it's time to move on to our Q&A. Uh, really sharp viewers may have figured out that uh, things are looking different here at the end of the show. And that's because yesterday uh, we were at in the last topic of the show and it was really windy here in Los Angeles, and the wind knocked out the power back at our studio. And we waited for a while to see if it would come back up. It didn't. It didn't come on until like 9 o'clock last night. So we had to wait until the next day to record the end of this. But the good news is you guys are really sharp, and you were on it, and you guys put questions into the chat anyway, knowing that we were going to need them for the end of the show. So thank you guys very much. Very smart of you guys to do that, and it's a huge help for us. Um, so here's the first one. This is from Spectre of Madness. Uh, have any of you played the new Bloodstained update? What are your opinions? I no, have not. I haven't either. And I am starting to realize I am getting into this loop of playing games, getting to the last boss, fighting the last boss like 10 times, and then quitting. 
And that game, I did that. I never could beat the end boss. Uh, and it also just happened with me with, Gear, with Gears Tactics. I have been at the end of Gears Tactics, and I almost actually did a Shane shit list on this on Sifted HQ. Goofy save systems. Um, the end boss in Gears Tactics is a multi-part boss. His health meter has three segments. Every time you complete a full segment, it gives you a checkpoint. Um, and so I am on the last segment, and I have a checkpoint right before the last segment, but it is basically impossible for me to beat the boss because I have guys who are in compromising positions. I don't have any healing spells, quote-unquote, to use, and I'm just trapped. But I refuse to go back and start the boss fight all over again because it's literally like an hour long. So I got to that third segment, got the checkpoint, and I just keep trying over and over and over and over. And I will say this. I have found that the game does not do the same thing every time. It does actually take into account what's happening, and it adjusts its tactics based on that. So every once in a while, I always have to start by throwing a grenade and blowing up two enemies. It's like my best move. It's really the only move I can do at the checkpoint. And then after that, like you see what the AI does. And four times out of five, it does do the same thing. But that fifth time, it will do something different and will give me a chance. And then hmm. 30 minutes later, I die. And I have done it over and over and over again. And so I don't think I'm ever going to go back and finish it now. I've just kind of given up on it. And that's what happened for me with Bloodstain. I got to the end boss. I fought it a bunch of times. I wasn't able to beat it. I thought it was a little cheap and janky. And so I just never went back and, and finished the game. Hmm. I'm um, not that far in that. But, yeah. Uh, I, liked, I liked what I saw of the notes of the update, but it'll be a long time before I get around to it. I'm glad that they updated it at all. I mean, it was oh, yeah. one of the best indie games from last year. Um, and they could have just been like, it was a long road getting that game done. So I could have seen that team being like, it's done, we're done. I am mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised that they continued working on the game and have released some new content. So kudos to them, but I have not had a chance to actually give it a whirl. Mitch, did you ever play Bloodstained? No. Okay. Uh, next up, JM Rain 99. What movies or non-video games have kept you occupied during COVID? Mitch, go first. Uh, I would say there is a show I was watching on Netflix. Oh, God, was it? It's not The Last King, The Forgotten Kingdom. Um, I'll double check it while you guys are talking. But it's, a, it's basically like a Chinese-Asian uh, film back in the time of swords and kind of ghost of Tsushima time, but uh, there's an outbreak and there's zombies and it's oh. just a really interesting uh, um, take on the zombie film. Yeah. I really like it. And then there's also about a prince and he's supposed to take over the throne, but there's Paul, but there's like politics involved. I, I think it's just time. called kingdom. That's what it is. Oh. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, it is, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of that. It's, it's good. Two seasons right now. And there is a setup and they have confirmed a third season. I've been enjoying that. Okay. What about you, Matt? Uh, well, I rewatched all of Clone Wars because um, the season seven was ending, and that was that was fine. Uh, and then I wa watched The Good Place, uh, which I'd never seen before. That was really good. I was actually I would probably say it's one of the top ten TV shows I've ever seen. Wow, it was, it was really, really good. Oh well, I'm going to watch that immediately. And a now, recommendation like that from you, done. Uh, done. It's it's very funny and it's very smart. And wow. It's, um, it's it gets very touching at times. Like it's exceptionally good. Wow! It's extraordinarily okay. good. Um, and uh, I'm currently rewatching Rebels, uh, follow up on Clone Wars. 
and then I will probably watch Avatar: The Last Airbender now that it's on Netflix because I haven't seen that in for. I will. I, the next thing I will watch is either Avatar or uh, Babylon Five. Okay. Um, for me, I haven't really watched anything. Like after Ozark was, I finished that. I haven't really dove into anything. There's a couple TV shows that I watch. Like I'm a sucker for those gold shows, like Gold Rush and Bering Sea Gold. <laughs> <laughs> they are my guilty pleasure TV shows. I don't know why I love you them so much. Want, you're from Pennsylvania. You secretly want to be a miner. I don't know. I don't know why I love them so much. <laughs> uh, but those, the way they do those shows, they stagger them. So Gold Rush will happen. And as soon as that ends, then Bering Sea Gold starts. And it just goes all year long. So I do watch those. But I haven't really dove into any viewing. Uh, I just watched 1917 the other night. I was kind of disappointed mm. in that. It was okay. Um, but for the most part, I have really dove into my old life again. Um, the last five years, I have have just basically completely ignored everything that made me who I was. I'll be perfectly honest with you. All my hobbies that I enjoyed outside of gaming, everything, it was just all cut off because I have to spend so much time just trying to keep Sifted alive. I just don't have time for my hobbies. But with the coronavirus, uh, it's... It isn't that I have more time. It's that the time that I used to spend watching sports that I would like carve out an hour and a half here, an hour and a half there to watch. I don't spend that time doing that anymore. And I will say this too. I have been really shocked that I have not missed sports more than I have. Like right now, the Stanley Cup playoffs would be going on. Maybe the Penguins would be going for another cup. After a week after sports ended, it was just kind of like the Penguins being eliminated. And it sucked for the first couple days. And then I went on with my life. And so I have started DJing a lot again. Like all my friends who are in the electronic music scene, they've all been doing live streams. On, and in fact, I've tweeted a couple of them on my Twitter feed. Um, they've all been doing live streams because they can't make any money. So they'll stream on Twitch and they'll ask for donations or whatever. And just supporting them and being on the stream with them and my friends and just chatting, I've got totally back into playing house music again, like hardcore. So... There's been a lot, I've been able to spend a lot more time with my wife. Um, it's been a revelation for me, to be honest with you. I really thought losing sports was going to like crush me. And it really has had almost zero impact. Um, and I know a lot of people do not feel that way. There's a lot of people out there that are desperately trying to get sports to start again at, I would say, the cost of American lives. Um, and that's something I will never abide by. So um, if we can get sports going again, I'll be there. I mean, I'll definitely watch the Steelers play this season, but I have not missed it as much as uh, as I have, and I have not filled the time uh, with a lot of media consumption. It's been more getting back to kind of the person that I've always been throughout my life. So it has uh, been an interesting period of time for me, for sure. Not on the sports thing, I don't know if you saw, but uh, that marble racing thing I kept talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's like on John, John Oliver. John Oliver <laughs> talked about it this week, and John Oliver's show is sponsoring the entire league. No way. Tens of thousands of dollars and like awesome. donating to, to charity. Like everyone, whatever marbles win, they're donating like thousands in ch to charity in the name of the marble. That's great. Like it's, they're, they're going all in on the marble racing. So I'm like, I didn't I'm, get to I'm, watch it this week. I'm, I'm very, that's another thing. I I'm very watch. happy to like have called that one early yeah. on. I, that's I was going to talk to you about that because I, I saw that and I was like, that's Matt. <laughs> Matt talked yeah. about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to watch the show this week, so I totally missed mm -hmm. that. And that's the other thing, like, because I'm not spending a lot of time in front of the TV watching Netflix or TV shows or whatever, I miss a lot of other stuff that's, like, building up on my DVR. So uh, that's one show that I haven't got to watch yet, but that's great. That show yeah. always finds a way to do good things in an, a unique way. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I watch that stuff on, like, YouTube usually. I don't use yeah. a lot of DVR anymore. Like, last night I watched a uh, lecture about uh, ancient European history while I was mining asteroids in Elite Dangerous because I'm <laughs> that cool. So um, I will say one, uh, well, well, actually, Shane, John Oliver talks about sports this week. So yeah, that's the, that's right the whole show is sports. Oh. It's sports. Oh. Um, I did see that on YouTube, actually, and I just haven't got a chance to watch it yet. But um, I would say the my favorite show so far this year I've watched is actually upload on Amazon. It's very, very good. I highly I never watch it. anything on Amazon. I, I have don't Prime. either, but I it, always go and I look around there and I'm like, these shows all look terrible. Like I, I have forget no I have it. Yeah, I do too. I just it's, I gave up after a while. I used to go every month and just check and see what their new shows were, what movies they had there. And after like six months in a row of being like, meh, like I <laughs> just stopped going. I quit. So um, my friend texted me and had a similar moment of Matt's Clone Wars, but had a upload. And I was like, what the heck is that? And watched it. And I, I literally got through the whole season in one city and I couldn't stop. It was that okay. good. Interesting. All right. Next up from, I can never pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce this guy. It's either Sintyke or Cinetyke. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe next, uh, next week you can correct me. Uh, the new console's SSDs and their new integration in the system are reported to enable faster loading and new paradigms in how games are loaded, streamed as we play. However, Series X, PS5, and PC will all be different. So in a multi-platform game, how can it make use of innovations when one of those platforms could not be fast enough for it? This is a great question. Will console exclusives be the only ones to truly see the new paradigms in game loading and streaming? Great question. I think we may have actually broached We, we had a similar topic. one last, last week. I've... It basically it comes down to you're going to have to make PC pl owners buy SSDs. Yeah, and to be honest, fine. Yeah, like, I don't have like, a problem with that. That's sort of one, part so. of the deal. <laughs> I think PC gamers know that that's sort of part of the deal. Like you're gonna be yeah. buying hardware, you're gonna be buying upgrades. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be worth it too. I mean, the sure. the advancements you're gonna get to gaming because you have an SSD, I think will convince most PC owners to do it. Yeah, and I think most PC owners already have an SSD yeah. of some kind. They were the so pioneers like, of yeah. SSD. So and and there's been you know there plenty of PC gamers have been complaining that the consoles not having them have held them back. So yep. I don't think that's going to be a huge problem. I think uh, most PC gamers that ha have upgraded, like the hardcore, already have SSDs. They're running stuff off of because it does make a difference. And uh, I mean, even my system I built five years ago has one in it for that. You know, and now I don't. You'd be nuts not to put a pretty good sized SSD in a gaming rig. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be an issue, really. Um, I would say every build I've ever seen so far has always said have SSD. Um, yeah. The oh, other for thing your operating is, system, there is no question. Yeah, it oh, will yeah. change everything. Yeah, and, uh, but I think you're going to want to have a separate SSD for game installations too, yeah, now. for storage. Yeah. yeah, and also Shane, his name is Synetic. Um, I only okay. know this because he sent me four pages of notes on oh, a Google okay. Doc about PC building. So okay. I appreciate Synetic. it. Thank Synetic, you. thank you so much. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, next question and last question from Mike's Q. And this is another good one. How long do you think Nintendo will wait until after the Gen 9 launch to bring out their own next SKU, either a Switch Pro or Switch 2? Matt, start. Like I would say a Switch Pro is probably next year. I uh, think it's next year. Yeah. I think that the next system... Like Switch 2. Switch uh, Switch 2... 
2022, 23. Okay. Like it, it's a ways out, I think. Um, cause I think the switch is rolling just fine. And, uh, I think the, the difference out everywhere still, yeah, I think the difference, the thing that really determines that I think is going to be whether the third party support really dries up, like you were talking about earlier in the show mm-hmm. and they aren't getting any ports anymore. They aren't getting any support. No one wants to make switch specific games. If you need to upgrade to some, to a new model that basically can handle current gen tech, that might be what really pokes Nintendo to do that. But I would say right now, if you're looking at kind of the market and going forward and how things are rolling, um, they don't need a new system yet. A pro, maybe. A pro would, I mean, I would buy like a, a non-portable, like just hooked to this, the TV, more powerful pro. I would buy that day one. But I don't think you need to switch to just yet. And I think they, they would probably agree with that because they can't make them fast enough to get them to people. So like right now, you don't need to worry about it yet. Mitch, I think you got your- two or three years. Okay, Mitch, what's your take? Uh, probably I'm going late 2021 um, because for I for which uh, for for I don't think a Switch Pro is happening. I, I you mean, don't think it'll ever happen? No, I don't think it won't. I mean, uh, it, yeah, I just I really think they're just going to have to upgrade the entire console because as we've seen, this next gen looks so good. And as Matt said, he took the words from my mouth, which is they're going to run out of third-party support, and that's something that is really appealing to people. So um, I think it would be really interesting if maybe they actually made something to match the standard of Microsoft and Sony. It would be really interesting to see how they change the gameplay with all those tools available to them. I would love to see them do that, but they will never do that. Exactly. Like I would love to see Nintendo catch back up technologically, but that is just not their wheelhouse anymore. Not what they do. Um, I personally think that I think there will be a Switch Pro. And I think there will be a Switch Pro because I agree with Matt that I don't see Nintendo bailing on Switch for a long time. Uh, Like a long time. Because it's way too successful. And I think even as the third-party stuff starts to dry up, um, I think Nintendo will just shift gears and and provide some more first-party stuff to try to fill the gaps. Uh, I just, I just, and I also would think, I would say that best, uh, best case scenario this fall, for Switch Pro, it's been rumored for a really long time, mm-hmm. which means that they could or could not have been working on it for a long time, and it's the perfect time this fall for them to release it. So, if there is going to be, a it Switch would be a Pro, good thing to have out there for people who don't want to spend five hundred dollars on a new system, a better Switch, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's still people are still going to want it in five or six months. So, if it is going to happen, I think it happens this fall. I do believe it is going to happen. Switch Two. I think even 2022 might be a little generous, but I think that's mm-hmm. probably the earliest that we're going to get it. It's just too much of it's a certainly hit. Certainly the earliest we'll, we'll hear of it. I think. Yeah, it's just, it's just, Switch is just too much of a hit. I mean, in all honesty, Nintendo would be a moron to bail on it. It's proven over and over again that a lot of people don't really give a crap about whether mm-hmm. Nintendo's games look as good as Sony's or Microsoft's. So, yeah. And I think Sony, you know, the PS5 probably didn't need to happen as soon as it's happening. No, but I think you're, for, you're forced into it because Microsoft did need the new Xbox to happen and yep. you can't be left in the dust on that. Nintendo doesn't have any competition pushing it like that. The only thing that could give them outside pressure for that is the lack of third-party support. And quite frankly, because of the attach rates on old games, people, people being willing to buy... Bioshock for a fifth time so they can have a portable, <laughs> portable version. version yeah. Okay. Um, like, not what I want, but as long as that mentality still exists around Switch for Switch owners, like, there's zero reason to move on to a new system yet. Yep. Like, as, as long as people are willing to make, like, these quick and dirty ports of ancient games, let's be honest, ancient games, yeah. and they sell like that, 
done. Why like, would you just print? free money? It's just <laughs> it free money. Is. You're printing money. Yeah, the only Nintendo. enemy for Nintendo is themselves. Oh yeah, yes. I mean it always has been. It yeah. <laughs> always has been. It has always been its own worst enemy. It's just the way it is. So, all right. So there you go. Even going back to the ex- the birth of the PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. Literally yeah. created the PlayStation. It did. It created its competitor. It's it's mind-boggling. All right. So that's going to do it for uh, Game Face episode 212. Again, really sorry for this archive getting to you guys late. It was completely out of our control, and we did the best we could to finish the show and get it uploaded to you guys as quickly as possible. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find Matt at MKyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. You can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. I am Dinfire, D-I-N-F-I-R-E. And you can find Sifted at Sifted Games. Uh, we are 100% supported by Patreon. So if you're listening to this in the far-flung regions of the internet, it'd be great if you go to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us some dollars. Uh, for every month if you're liking what we're doing. And if you can't do that, you can always help us out with Twitch Prime, which is very easy. Uh, You just link your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and then subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. And you give us a free $2.50 every month. And we really rely on that and we appreciate everyone who's doing it. So things are about to start heating up, folks. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about Maneater, um, which is an open world GTA shark game, which I've been playing for the last few days. Oh, uh, Ju- here it comes. Yep. June is looking like awesome uh, with all the crazy events replacing E3. Things are about to start get kicking into gear for 2020 here. Uh, and we really appreciate that you guys are going to be alongside us for the ride. So with that, we'll see you guys next Tuesday on Twitch at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Game face is up and out. 